Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Coming up on TMS, Scott's leaky thing. I don't like bad taxidermy. Shadow. When the walls fell. Boil them, mash them, shoot them into space. Chocolate factories smell like Willy Wonka farts. Hello, I'm reading this in Scott Fletcher's voice. Murder hamsters. It's a dog-eat-dog bandage world. I'd rather jackalope than Fleetwood Macalope. Can you come to work in like sandals? Because I like really wanted to know. Beaver problems. I'm a laser man. Snowdew Valley. Pretend you're good at it with Amy. Switching flips with Wendy and more on this episode of the morning stream nothing makes you feel more invigorated and refreshed than a steaming sauna but who has the time to spend in a spa introducing the revolutionary sauna pants i got shot in a skirmish case hey birdum this is the morning stream bye-bye Hello and good morning and welcome to TMS. It's the morning stream for Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. We got us at 2-23-23. There it is. There's your 2-23-23. And next month, one month from now, yeah. thanks to the 28 days of February, uh, yeah. we will have a 3-23-23. That's right. It won't be that far. And then that will also mark about the one month until vegas mark oh geez don't yeah. remind me don't tell me that listen i look forward to, to tms vegas don't get me wrong but i feel like there's so much prep and things that need to happen beforehand i have to have a working resin printer to be able to print the prize for <laughs> for uh the video game tournament uh and there's so so many things i have to like all right this i need this done i need to get this done but before i can do that i need to have this other thing done oh yeah yeah, there's a lot yeah. to do. Are you? Uh, um, so you? I heard you had problems with your printer this morning. Something going on there? What's going on? Yeah. The, um, so about uh, well, about three weeks ago, um, I was dealing with some resin that had gotten through the vat. The bottom of the vat has a plastic sheet called a FEP sheet. Oh, FEP. Weird. It stands for some sort of a plastic compound i'll go really quickly with this because there's like <laughs> eight people who are like i don't exactly what he's talking about sure. anyway so it got through there and cured on the lcd plate and i and, and these things don't come with a screen protector which okay. sucks yeah that does suck so the resin cured onto the thing which means that the light coming through the uv light coming through that cures the resin as it builds things 
won't get through that certain spot. So I had to print things like something I'm working on for Zoe. I had to print on one side. Couldn't print uh, uh, too many, you know, too many things on the plate. Finally ordered a replacement LCD. Got it installed, and it's got it. It's like the first layer that it puts down on the print plate has these weird stripes. You remember? Um, well, let's talk old televisions, like old okay. CRT televisions. All right. And sometimes, you know, you'd be watching Leave It to Beaver, and uh, they'd show, you know, Beaver, uh, Jerry Mathers would be on screen talking, and uh, because his face was brighter than the rest, there would be like a a stripe, either vertically or horizontally, that came off of his face on the screen, like, oh. like a lighter kind of stripe kind of thing. Right? Okay, yeah, weird, like old uh-huh. tube TV distortion thing. I like know what you're talking about. A little bit of distortion, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Um, that was happening with prints. So uh, I'd print something and the first layer would be the same as the shape of the base of the thing I was printing, but stretched out to the edges of the print plate, but like a light film, like not fully cured, kind of rubbery, curly crap. Um, and because of that, I wasn't getting clean, clean prints. So that, that reminds me of, um, so, so it's not just discoloration. It's actually like the, no, the material it's not itself. Discoloration. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically it's curing resin in a place in places that should not be curing resin. The, the place that should be, um, the places that should have no resin curing on them are getting a really thin film, a thin stripe of resin curing on it. Weird. So that's weird. Yeah. All right. So fortunately this doesn't affect the, uh, steam decks or the stream TMS stream decks. Uh, because those are printed on the filament printer, but yeah. on the resin printer is where I do the kyber crystals, the things I sell on Etsy, and hopefully soon uh, Shopify, and uh, um, and those have been on hold, and I've had to like let people know I'm like, all right, your order's going to ship a little bit late because I'm dealing with an issue. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that happens with a lot of the stuff on Etsy, right? Where 3D printers are involved, probably, right? People, yeah, have I think so. But you know, I hate, I hate. Hip- this will be the first time I've actually had to. Um, reach out to somebody that's not a TMS patron and say, hey, sorry, your order's going to be a little bit delayed because of a tech issue. Yeah, yeah, hate doing that. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Chat room real quick. This is, um, Brian mentioned the stream decks. I just wanted to show this. Um, Are you showing uh, Jerry Tolbert's painted stream deck? Yeah, so Jerry Tolbert went and painted his. Look at that, dude. How amazing does that look? It It looks looks so good. It looks great. I'm jealous. I could do it myself, I suppose, but. Yeah. I'm no Jerry Tolbert. No, I wish this is when I wish I had a fully, you know, full color 3D printer that had the four. You can pull in four different colors of resin. So you do your CMYK and mm-hmm. then have it do a different mix of those to do colors. and stuff. Oh, yeah, man. That's the future. That's 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 going to be everything one day. Every one day yeah. you're just going to go, oh, I'd like to print a thing. And you're not going to have to go set some plate, make sure it's level or you're not going to do any of that. Right. It's just going right. to poop it out. The robots will take care of it. The AI will fix all your leveling issues. <laughs> Done. Done. Oh, I know. It's probably you're you're, you're probably not far off oh, i think that's you know? the future i kind of yeah. think it needs to be the future it's a little bit like you know the way we were with like dot matrix printers back in the day it was a pain sure. to line them up they'd get all ski wampus they were slow uh yeah. you'd run out of the freaking ribbons we used ribbons yes for the thing. Remember? yeah exactly you know oh my god the, we're in a way better place so dot matrix life was what a what a dumb time of <laughs> it was time of so life was. stupid I, and I still don't yeah. like the uh, the inkjet world we live in. I think inkjets suck. I like laser. Yeah. I'm a laser man. Agreed. I'm yeah. like a Dapper Dan man. I'm a laser man. 
Anyway. <laughs> I don't want thop. No. I don't want dot matrix. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a dapper Dan I'm man. I'm a man. <laughs> uh, all right. We got some stuff to, uh, to do here. We got a phone call I'd like to play early. Uh, this is about the cool. smell of the place you work. It's in regards to the, the crematorium. Or not the crematorium, sorry. The the grow center for marijuana that was right across the street oh, from the gotcha. rehab center. Yes. So we have like yeah. dueling stories. We have the one about the crematorium really? and uh, McDonald's. Yeah, the, the McDonald's and McCrispy. <laughs> right. And then, whoa, shit. Why'd that play? And then we have this whole other thing with the weed grower uh, next to the right. rehab place. So this is about the rehab place. And sure. um, he adds a little context to things. Here you go. Uh, hi, Scott and Brian. A couple weeks ago, you guys had a news story about a grow house or a grow center next to or across the street from a recovery, a rehab clinic or a recovery house. Uh, I just wanted to comment that uh, I used to work both in the corn milling and chocolate industries at factories. And one of the things that we had to do was actually um, put devices called scrubbers on all of our air outputs to knock down not only chemicals that are bad for the environment, but also smell. And if we got complaints, enough complaints oh, from wow. municipalities, we had to do a study to about that smell. So uh, I just want to let you know that maybe that's something that needs to happen for grow houses. Anyway, this is Zinger in Wisconsin. Have a good day. Maybe that's all they need to do is just dampen down the what, smell somehow. What kind of monster complains about the smell of a chocolate factory? Oh, if you smelled an actual chocolate factory, no, though, they do not smell like I chocolate. Have, yeah, they smell I've like ass. Like, there's a sugar factory that we drive by on the way to brush that, yeah, same kind of thing. It's oh, like, that's just like, oh, that is not a good smell. No, no. it's terrible. We have a Dan and Yogurt uh, factory here, or oh, a, well, a, a center mean, thing, whatever. Yeah. Holy shit. It's so I mean, bad. If you just smell a yogurt. Yogurt as tasty <laughs> as it is. Yeah. It does it is never it is nothing you ever want to smell, even fresh, even fresh yogurt. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, and you'd think with Dan and it's like, you know, it's sweeter than your than your Greek yogurt or whatever. But yeah. no, it doesn't matter, dude. You drive by there, you think of diapers on your face. It's so bad. I, I would think it's funny, I would think like a chocolate factory would smell pretty good. But I know sugar sugar has a very pungent, not very good smell to it so maybe it's a similar kind of thing i think it's just a matter yeah, of too much of that like too much yeah, of one ingredient and then it, it just stinks i don't know we have a uh, purina factory um oh. that's on i-70 like basically it makes puppy chow and stuff like that and it's i swear to god you go by that thing and it smells like you are burying your face in the aisles <laughs> at PetSmart. <laughs> uh do dogs like it because i'd really like to know do they do oh they... i don't know that's a really good question like <laughs> as a special treat uh-huh. we're gonna get, drive you by the purina factory probably it probably just makes them salivate right yeah. it's probably like a Pavlov smell way. kind of thing like last night okay help me understand this i'm changing rainer's dressing all right her bandage yep going from a from a catalina to a uh to a blue cheese yeah more of a creamy blue cheese yeah sure. i like that or roquefort as my mom would say <sighs> I love the Roquefort. No one calls it that anymore, right? It's like an old no, generation no. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you know when someone's from the quote-unquote greatest generation. <laughs> the, greatest, the greatest generation. Yeah. So anyways, is, uh, she, we're doing her thing, and you know, doctor told us how to do this on the regular, so we're doing what, what's yeah. good for the dog and all that. And uh, yeah. you, you take off the old bandage and put it aside. Ripley comes up, sits, and stares at it. The, the, the gross used bandage has been on her for sure. 12 hours. Sure. She stares at it and just starts drooling, dripping on the floor. Drooling. Oh God, really? Yeah. Like Ripley, why do you want that freaking thing? What, what is it about a nasty old used bandage you want to put in your mouth? I don't get it. Well, all right. Do 
do dogs like once this thing has been on them for a certain amount of time, do dogs feel like, yep, that's part of my body now. Oh, you took off part of my body. No, I want to eat that part of my body. Well, Rainer didn't want it. It was Ripley. Ripley's like, oh, right. Yeah. It wasn't, okay. It was yeah. Rainer doesn't gotcha. care. Ripley's oh. over there just like, oh, I got to have it. Gotcha. It's like a treat. It reminds me when George asked uh, Elaine if a uh, used Kleenex is like a Valentine or whatever he said. In this one episode where it's just like, how how do you want such a gross thing? How could that be a good thing to eat? And I don't know. Maybe the dog smells like, I don't know. They they have a, they do have a, what, they have instincts to lick their wounds. It, maybe it smells yeah. like a little wound package, you know? But they lick their wounds because it hurts, right? They're like, oh, if I just keep licking this, maybe I can make it feel better. But BioCow does say, well, smells like blood. blood. Dogs eat blood. Yeah, they do like the blood, don't they? Yeah, Some vampire, little bastard dog. A little, there's a little bit of wolf. If that, if that uh, dog food commercial is anything to be believed, Scott, uh, all every dog has a little bit of wolf inside them. Sure, I thought so. I thought they, you say they, they look it for pain. That's what I thought too. But is it yeah. also maybe to, is it to clean it because they have pretty clean mouths overall? Like they, they, what was it? MythBusters did a thing where they compared human saliva to dog saliva and the dog one right. was like hardly any bacterial growth and the human one right. was like a big far, fuzzy far nightmare. cleaner yeah yeah so it's some of if, that if dogs i mean do dogs do dogs know that their <laughs> wounds need to be kept clean yeah. it's <laughs> do impossible dogs have a, a minor medical degree like like uh, most of facebook did in 2020 oh good point yeah they all became <laughs> epidemiologists for for a year and uh, that's right exactly sure yeah i don't know i think uh I think it's just more of a base instinct than than a need to keep a wound clean. I think it's like, oh, this hurts. Lick, lick, lick. It still hurts. Ow, lick, yeah, lick, lick. They're lick, like, there's lick. a thing that's wrong with me. I will now lick it until it doesn't hurt or have a problem anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. And in her case, yeah, she'd do that. She'll tear it open, so she's got to be careful. But anyway. A new Monday segment. We need a vet. We need know, a vet now. Yeah, do we have any vets out there? That'd be cool. Just like call in. Just call in and say, hey, I'm a vet, and I do this, and here's my take. Do us a voicemail or something. That'd be exactly. fine. 801-471-0462. Yeah. You can be like the dude that called us before. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. There's our updates. Uh, I hope that all made sense to you. Now, prepare yourselves yeah. to open okay. a book and read the words within. Ooh. Because Red Fraggle, a.k.a. Amy Robinson. I guess it goes the other way around. Amy Robinson, a.k.a. <laughs> well, Red Fraggle. No. Right? It is just an also known as. You can be you can be the AKA, also known as this. You can yeah, be a.k.a. A e- also known as Brian Abbott. Either direction, right? It works. It's not, it's it totally a functional. Works. Okay. It's just, it's, you know, it's not a known more famously as. It's just also known as. Well, here, let's see what she's known as. It's time for Read This with our old pal Amy, a.k.a. Red Fraggle. Which do you prefer when, you, when you're in the grocery store? Would you like the lady to refer to as Amy or Red Fraggle? What do you like? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I never go to the grocery store anymore because, you know, we just we just have Publix deliver everything now. Oh, you and do the click list or whatever it yeah. is? Yeah. Or if, yeah. If, we need like, if we need, like, avocados or something that actually requires a human to pick it out. Um, mm-hmm. Which I realize that the people shopping for it are humans, but they also don't care. <laughs> no, they don't. If, right. I, right. if I get an overripe or an underripe avocado, they, they will don't grab care. the top avocado in the stack, whatever is easiest that they can start making their way over to the uh, the pickle pig snouts. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, we go to a Correct. store here and there, yeah. but they the one thing the pandemic did is they sure made a whole bunch of systems easier to deal with, so that it's just more convenient and it's worth the extra couple bucks right Mm -hmm. so like prior to that i don't think we ever had groceries delivered 
since then, even in times where we're not worried about the pandemic or, you know, like let's say this week, sometimes it's just easier to go, mm-hmm. I need these eight items. I don't want to go get them. It's worth my, it's worth two bucks because otherwise I'll spend that in gas and time. Like, do they, mm-hmm. and do they actually deliver it to your house or do you have to go to the grocery store, back your car up, oh, open yeah. it, and they no, put the bags in? Oh, no, no, here they will, they will deliver it straight to my door and they, you know, they, they drop it on my doorstep, ring my bell and, Go away. Does that like mean they, they punch don't. you right in the face? <laughs> you know. They just slug you right in the head while you're there. Oh, you don't mean ring that bell. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, real <laughs> real quick though, do they no, do they, they also <laughs> don't mean the ring my bell from the seventies song, which is a totally different. Oh yeah, very. Totally, oh my gosh, yeah, definitely no, not that. Totally different thing. They're not. You know, it's not the white stripes. Thinking no, about my doorbell. They'd have to yeah. pay you for that kind of bell ringing. <laughs> yeah, um, why did I? Why did I ever think about the fact that that? That white stripe song is not about an actual doorbell. Why did that never cross um, my mind? Yeah. I'm not sure, Brian. Yeah. Um, you really might sure. want to check in with Tina yeah. about that. I think I and, might uh... wanna, yeah. <laughs> Let us know how the bell bell goes. Hey, uh, the bell tolls for you. Let's talk about uh, reading things uh, here on the cool. show. You brought a couple of yeah. clips. Do you want me to play the one that you uh, is a bit of a goof? Do you want that to be? Um, yeah. Okay. So let's play. Let's play the other one first. Okay. And then, and then we can. Yeah. Yeah. So play the one that's not the goof, and then we'll play the goofy. All one. right. We'll play the goof later. Here's the one that is not the goof. Everyone. Herein, I intend to provide an honest account of my day-to-day activities in the field, as I document an enigmatic species of fairy called hidden ones. This journal serves two purposes, to aid my recollection when it comes time to formally compile my field notes, and to provide a record for those scholars who come after me, should I be captured by the folk. Verba volant, scripta manent. As with previous journals, I will presume a basic understanding of dryadology in the reader, though I will gloss certain references that may be unfamiliar to those new to the field. I have not had reason to visit Useland before, and would be lying if I said my first sighting this morning didn't temper my enthusiasm. The journey takes five days from London, and the only vessel to get you there is a weekly freighter carrying a great variety of goods and a much smaller variety of passengers. We ventured steadily north, dodging icebergs, whilst I paced the deck to keep my seasickness at bay. I was among the first to sight the snowbound mountains rising out of the sea, the little red-roofed village of Hravensvik huddled below them, like Red Riding Hood as the wolf loomed behind her. Ooh, I like where this is going. Ooh. I like this. Yeah. She's a, she sounds so like why she is was, this a, I can't wait to find out why this is a goof. Yo, this one's well, not the goof. So, this, the other one's oh, yeah, this was so not a goof. Can, okay. yeah, yeah. No, this one was not the goof. So now to to learn what book this is, you can play the goofy one. All and right. just bear in mind, I just I just I read this blurb online about this book and it struck me as really funny if I did it this way. So go ahead and prepare to laugh at me. Expect okay. Scott Fletcher vibes to this one. Here you go. Enjoy. Gosh. Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett. A curmudgeonly professor journeys to a small town in the far north to study fairy folklore and discovers dark fey magic, friendship, and love in the start of a heartwarming and enchanting new fantasy series. Congratulations. 
Nice. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Nice. Nice work indeed. Yeah. It, it just, when I read that blurb, I was like, oh my God, I can't read that. Not like I hear yeah. Fletcher's voice in there. So I was like, all right, I got to do this goofy thing. Yeah. That's one of the things uh, that we've conditioned done. Conditioned too many times by film sack is yeah. the problem. Yeah. <clears throat> Not only yeah. that, like if you read any description of almost anything out there, they all read kind of the same. And so I just hear Fletcher's yeah. voice when I read a description of anything. It's like, I was yeah. watching Rambo, oh, yeah. the 2008 Rambo, and the description of the thing may as well have Fletcher's head next to it because it yeah. just sounded like yeah. you read it. It's totally crazy. Yeah. Anyway. All yes. right. Well, tell us about yeah, this book. No, it I sounds agree. interesting, and I like fairies. Yes. Yeah, so it this is a really cool book that I actually received as part of my Tadpool Secret Santa gift. Oh, that's um, cool. It was, oh, this was so awesome. I didn't tell, I was saving it for when I actually used the book. But uh, yeah, I got from my Tadpool Secret Santa, the coolest gift. I got a three-month subscription to Jenny Lawson's Fantastic Strangelings Book Club. And I have just, that, that I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this existed. And I love this. This is like one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. So yeah, I That's I awesome. love it. Who's Jenny Lawson? Um, and, and I, that name is really familiar. Do I know her from some other something? Yes. So I have talked about her books before. She is the bloggist online, oh, um, right. and, uh, and right. she you know she writes um, memoirs type books, and she's very irreverent and and hilarious. And yeah, so we've talked about a couple of her books before, but you rest assured whenever she has a new book out, I'll be featuring it here because I love her. <laughs> yeah, um, nice. Good. So yeah, but yeah, if you're not familiar with Jenny Lawson, the bloggess.com is where you can find out about her. And, uh, and, but yeah, she's got several different book clubs because she runs an indie bookshop in uh, somewhere in Texas and um it's just it's just fantastic and and they're it's like an introverts book club so mm. basically you get you get the book and there are some online forums where you can go and you could talk about the book with other people if you want or you could just read the book <laughs> and enjoy it <clears throat> excuse me nice. and um sorry i'm still getting over this Thank it takes forever yeah. zoe in the chat's got it now everybody's getting this weird cold that isn't covid that's stupid and hangs around for weeks it sucks all right get yeah. rid of it before y'all come to vegas because uh if i see anybody sniffling in vegas i'm i'm sentencing you to uh quarantining you to your room yeah that's, that's right oh no it's even worse than that i gotta get rid of it like now oh yeah so jenny lawson is for for those of you listening at home, Scott is looking at her website right now, yep. and uh, she is a fan of anybody who doesn't remember or or know about her. She is a big fan of bad taxidermy uh, <laughs> because when she was growing up, her her dad is actually a taxidermist, so she has this weird fascination with bad taxidermy. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh her husband, God. of course, is distressed by by this. But, I love the term um, bad taxidermy. It's just a great term, you know. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, yeah. I like it when too. I, I like weird. I, I like, like weird. Like inner. Like my dad used to have a jack. Uh, no, what was it a jackalope uh, mm-hmm. head or like taxidermied head? And for the longest time as a kid, I thought those were real. But it was you know it's an apocryphal bullcrap story that those exist. But it's basically a rabbit that they attached you know yeah, antlers, antlers to antlers yeah. too. But I yeah. thought that thing was so cool. It was in his office all the time, and I I don't know what happened to it. I wish I could have kept it, but. 
Anyway, I'm a fan too. I like I'm that sure you could find one. Longhorn Steakhouses usually have like a jackalope somewhere. Oh in there. gosh, yeah. Because I used to work at a Longhorn Steakhouse when I was in college, and we had a jackalope. <laughs> oh, I'd love yep. some Longhorn right I now. I had I had this one couple come in one time, ask me if they could be seated somewhere where they didn't have to sit under a dead animal, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> at a different restaurant? I, yeah. Uh, I maybe uh, let me oh, let me yeah. seat you over at the TGI Fridays down the way. Yeah, yeah. no yeah, kidding. Exactly. Damn. Exactly. So anyway, this book is called yeah. uh Emily Wilde's Wait, what is it? Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies. And okay. it is not an actual encyclopedia. It is her journal. Uh, uh, well, obviously it's fictional, but is it is the journal of the professor who is compiling the Encyclopedia of Fairies. Mm. And she travels to this very, very remote island in uh, – it's not, not why am I I'm blanking on everything today in like Scandinavia. Okay. So huh. everywhere up there, it, it's some place that like Wendy would probably be able to pronounce the names in this book. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and the author, uh, not the author, the narrator does an excellent job of that. But when I was reading it on the page, I was like, I have no idea how to pronounce all of that. Uh, so but Anyway, she goes to this really, really remote part of Scandinavia where it's like this little bitty town, um, you know, kind of just kind of picture Stardew Valley. But if it were in the far north, you know, it was it's kind of this like, hey, there's a, an outsider here. Like you know, we Stardew don't know Valley, that. if it took place on, uh, on the set of the Northman. Oh, yeah. I like it. And yeah, that's yeah. that's a hell of an idea. I would play that game. <laughs> I would so play or that. Like, or like too. the yeah. the village in um the village in that movie Klaus, but without all the oh. uh, without all the feuding. Oh yeah, the um, Klaus village is awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I get it. That now and, it's all and coming. It's clear. covered in snow. She's of course ill-equipped to deal with such, and um, so the locals kind of look at her and laugh and uh and and she, but she's there to study the folk as she calls them yeah and um and it's really interesting because it occurred to me while i was reading it i was like oh she keeps referring to the fairies and whatnot as the folk and i'm like uh okay so in this world folk lore is literally like mm. lore around fairies and stuff so i, I don't know i just thought that was interesting that's yeah. interesting um, yeah. that is i like that but yeah, but it's really good, and I I very much enjoy. It. I don't want to I don't want to uh, give away too much about it because there were a lot of things that were really fun reveals. Uh, some of which are a little bit obvious, some of which are a little less obvious, and um and and end up being really fun when they get revealed. But yeah, it's a it's a good time. Um, yeah, and she has she has a giant dog with her named Shadow, and uh, so that I, I had a gerbil just, named Shadow. Um, Is that weird? <laughs> His name no, is Shadow. I mean, well, what color was it? Well, he was black, which sounds, you know, <laughs> yeah. obviously. But uh, he's the one that ate all the other gerbils in that story. I always tell when they went nuts after, I don't know what happened, some dust from the, the wall treatment fell into their cage and they all... <laughs> They, the walls fell. Yeah, they had. A, <laughs> they had a, can, a cannibal. I've told the story before on here. I yeah. can't remember, but anyway, they cannibalized, uh, or they they all went crazy cannibal, and he was the last one standing, and he and he was all fat in the corner. He looked like um, 
I don't know. It was like Jim Jones <laughs> sitting in the corner. Wow. Everybody else is dead and their bodies <laughs> laying everywhere. And he's just the last one. And he died like an hour later. It was awful. Oh, anyway. no. Creepy. Man. Uh, and that's when I stopped selling. Kind of- uh, I stopped selling those things. Was yeah. uh, was after that. Anyway. Kind of weird. <laughs> Morbid head to that entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sarge uh, says that Goodreads currently has a giveaway for the book. Oh, um, that's cool. So if you, yeah, if you go to Goodreads, you might be able to get a free copy of this book. The print copy is actually it's one of those that's really it feels really nice when you. It's a hard copy, you know, a hardcover copy, yeah. but the the covering on it feels really nice. It doesn't have a it doesn't have a dust jacket, but it's it's one of those that's. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know what the specific thing is, but you know, it just, it feels nice. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel, yeah, it's, it feels really smooth and it's, it feels like it's made out of like something expensive for them to bind a book with. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, so I definitely recommend everybody go check out Emily Wilde's encyclopedia of fairies. It's a, it's a good one. We're going to actually, reread it i'm always whenever i enjoy a book i both recommend it here and also i bug chuck i'm like you need to read this book read it read it because i want to i want to talk about it yeah. <laughs> you know? but i can't i can't talk about it until you read it because i don't want to spoil it because then you won't want to read it so go read it yeah go and, read uh, it so it sounds yeah. good plus so she's said, got a, she got a ton of other books like she's she's you know she's a storied author she has a lot of success i think people would like reading her i never have but i'm going to because of you yeah. It's, oh, your you. it's your fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. See what you did. Yeah, look what you well, did. Well, I'm still, I'm still uh, excited for you to start reading Discworld stuff because then you'll just yeah. never stop reading. I know. But, you know. <laughs> it's such a daunting task. <laughs> look at that. I know you gave us a really good entry point, which which helps tremendously. But it's like, okay, finally dipping my toe into Discworld. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and how to get yeah. in there edgewise. It's scary, and and I'm glad that you're here to help us with that. You're the only well, person. I will be. I will definitely be your Discworld guide, your Sherpa, if you will. Okay. Oh, I always wanted a Sherpa, so this is good. Help us, Red <laughs> Fraggle. You're our only hope. <laughs> I love the <laughs> love the idea of a Sherpa named Red Fraggle. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Actually, it would be pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, all right then. Go uh, check it out, everybody. It's awesome. Uh, you also got some interesting emails from people. Did you want to read some of that I or what was the deal? Did. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, let me know after I do this one, let me know if we have time for the other one. We'll, we'll, we'll do it next week if we All don't right. have time. Sure. Um, but this one I'm remiss. I apologize. Like a, a couple times we didn't have a show, so that's not, I fault. It's not your fault like, at all. A couple no, times no, I no actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. A couple times I actually, I was like, oh, I forgot to read this person's email. So I'm going to go ahead and read it now. And, uh, and so here we go. All right. Hi, Amy. I have been enjoying your visits on the morning stream. I love audiobooks due to the fact that they are easier for me to consume. I used to be a voracious book reader, but as my health and disabilities got worse and I started having some neurological issues, I was having a harder and harder time reading books. Then I discovered audiobooks and they were great. I even used to write stories, but it has been a very long time for me since I last wrote anything. I've been meaning to suggest a topic for Scott and Brian. Who are your favorite audiobook narrators or readers? Sometimes that makes the difference for me as to whether or not I will listen to an audiobook. I'm having a hard time remembering some of their names, but I enjoyed listening to Jim Broadbent, uh, William Dufree, probably, uh, 
Dick Hill. And I think that Neil Gaiman has read some of his own books and was great. He has, and yeah. he is great. Yeah, he is, uh, yeah. Really good. I have become a fan of the narrator's and readers as much as I am of the authors. Mm. I enjoy your reading of some of the books that you talk about. I even used to work for the local public library system. So books are an important part of my life. They're equally important for my wife too, as they can provide an escape from the harsh reality of the real world. Thank you for what you are doing. Take care. Jamie Todd, AKA Wolf Crane. Nice. Oh yeah. So, I love Jamie. Yeah, was, Jamie's good. Dude. Yeah. It was a really nice, really nice message that he sent totally. me and I asked him like, Hey, can I share that on the, uh, you know, on the show? And he said, yes, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so, and I have been meaning to do it ever since it's been like a month. I'm, I, I'm slack, but, Anyway, so do you guys have any favorite audiobook narrators? Or I have readers? two that jump to mind. Two immediately jump to oh, my head. And okay. it's funny because one of them read a, um, uh, a Neil Gaiman book, and that's where I first discovered him. Uh, but then I later – no, actually, I guess I first discovered him on The Gunslinger. Stephen King's The Gunslinger is the original uh, – second, sorry, second narrator. Anyway, the guy's name is George Guidel. Um, easily my favorite voice to hear – Maybe period, but we're reading books wow. as well. Um, I think he's still with us. He's very old now. He was born in 1938, so I'm not sure where he's at. But man, George Goodell can put me in a place. He is freaking awesome. Love that guy. And then the other one I really like is Jim Dale. Mm-hmm. Uh, was an actor back when I was we were a kid. You guys remember? Um, oh, the one the Don Knotts Western. Uh, the, oh, uh, yeah, the, the Apple Dumpling game? No, it's yeah. like that, though. Oh, no. It's that era. It's called... It's, it, he, Jim Dale played an evil cowboy guy and a good cowboy guy. And it's... I forgot the name of it. But if but anyway, a whole bunch of 70s and 80s kids will know this this movie, and if they'll, they'll write in and tell me. But anyway, yeah. Jim Dale did all the Harry Potter books. He's done some other stuff as well. He also was the narrator for uh, the Pie show. Um, uh, what was that called? Uh, the pine. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, pushing, pushing daisies. daisies, right? Oh, pushing daisies. Pushing daisies. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's where I know him from. I was like, the God, I know the uh, name Lee Jim Pace. Dale. Yeah, yeah. He's fan freaking tastic. That guy is so good. Anyway, so for me, it's those two dudes, and never Stephen King. Do not let him read his own books. He's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's that's what I was gonna say. I don't actually have a favorite uh, narrator. I usually I usually read them. I prefer because if I'm listening to something. I have to be listening to music for show prep. (laughs) I get very little time between soundography, Coverville, and TMS to actually sit and say, all right, I'm going to listen to something I want to listen to. But but my least favorite author to listen to is Stephen King. Sorry, Stephen, uh, your your little reedy voice just does not put me in a place where I want to hear. Yeah, Yeah. what you're saying, we love it. You like yeah, the books your, your words are great just don't say them just don't say them man <laughs> have George Goodell read all your books he's perfect for it he reads Gunslinger uh, Wolves of the Kala I believe is at least I think the, fir- the first four books in the Dark Tower series are all George Goodell or there are versions of George Goodell reading those Cannot recommend them enough. That's that's a great way to get into that series. And typically, if I'm if I'm listening to like a biography or an autobiography, hearing the the word you know the author's own voice is is usually where it's at. So the George Carlin uh, bit you played last mm-hmm. or a couple of weeks ago, that's a big one. It's like all right, I don't want to hear anybody else narrate a George Carlin book. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, yeah that would AI, suck. we may never have to. <laughs> never have to yeah, right. Else. Oh um, Lord! Yeah, if it's uh, if it's 
if it's in like a memoirs of any sort or, yeah. you know, nonfiction, like you say, if it's autobiographical, I want the author to read it. Um, yeah. Funny story, actually, I may have told this story already, but I'll tell it again because I love it. Uh, when Jenny Lawson first went in to record her first book as an audiobook, she was just struggling like because she, she is she who struggles with a lot of mental health stuff. Like ang- she has a lot of anxiety. Um, she literally has like generalized anxiety disorder and, you know, it can be very bad. Like she's, it's to the point where she pulls her hair out and stuff like that. She's oh, openly talked about a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she was just struggling, struggling with it, but she had actually become friends with Neil Gaiman. And so they took a break and she went outside and she called Neil Gaiman and he gave her this great advice, which was pretend you're good at it. Mm. Mm. And so she took a Sharpie and wrote that on her arm. <laughs> and and then she went back in to the booth and the producers were like, okay, we don't know what you did, but keep doing it because this is great. Like, That's and, great. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's awesome. And See, that would so, be, there we yeah. go. Like I, I often try to figure out, like I'm, I'm doing the tattoo from, from you know with tina's voice that i've been talking about for years but that would be a great second one is just a tattoo a little, little uh scripted uh, thing on the side maybe in comic sans that says uh pretend you're good at it and you're good at it yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah, i've thought that too i mean a lot of people have gotten that tattooed on their arm or whatever because they felt like that was yeah. That was such a. Is that the whole piece. fake it till like you fake it till you make it? Is it the same I idea? Like it. I like it. Same, same, yeah, same premise. But I just like the way pretend you're good at it is far better than fake it till you make it because it doesn't sound like the the fake it till you make it sounds fraudulent. Mm. Like you're really trying yeah. to put one over on people. But pretend you're good at it is just basically saying your confidence will carry you. 60% of the way there. Yeah. Right. I, I, exactly. I like, like, you know, or, you know, try and embody somebody who is good at it. It's like, like me yeah, doing that right. goofy Fletcher thing. I obviously have, you know, I cannot sound like Scott Fletcher. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't, my vocal cords don't quite do that, but I can do that character and make it sound sure. ridiculous, you sure. know? Sure. Yeah. So. Sure. It becomes a whole different thing when you do it. Right. It's, you know, it's more like a, uh, like a, it's a, a cover. homage, a parody, a cover. Yeah, yeah just like that. <laughs> there yeah, you go. I've heard of those. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I, yeah, you should probably be familiar with those a little bit, right? Those I've covers? heard of them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Well, this is great. Uh, hang out. Hang that other uh, email out for next week. Let's. Uh, we'll we'll pace yep. it a little bit. Um, but I like that. I like when people give you feedback, and always good to have it uh, shared here during your segment. It is Red Fraggle Three wherever you want to find her. Okay, everywhere. Yes. I just do- I just doxed you, but just your username. That's it. <laughs> I'm everywhere. just your avatar name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm going on. I'm going on the Joko cruise. So Brian, I have to get <sighs> better from this cold even quicker than that. No kidding. Yeah, when is that? Is, is that uh, mid March? Soon. Yeah, mid-March? it's a, well. It's like the beginning of March. So yeah, yeah I we leave March fourth, and I'm teaching a class on how to build a puppet. Nice. So, Nice yeah. puppetry on a ship. That sounds good. I like that. So yeah, cool. yeah. They keep we were they keep asking us to do something for uh, like TMS for something on the Joko cruise in in my dreams. But uh, we at some point we'll we'll. Uh, <laughs> Well, I was like, really? And you haven't done it? Oh, they've never. They haven't asked, but you know, those yeah. guys. Paul and Storm once in a while go, "Hey, you guys should come one year." I'm like, "Yeah, I know," but we got. It's usually just it's my problem is it's the time of year. Like March yeah. is bad. It's busy. 
It's hard. Yeah. We got our thing coming up. Sometimes that's in March uh, when we do Vegas. So I don't know. It's hard, but I'm, I'm excited for you, dude. That's, that's great. Yeah. 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 I will probably cool. come back with lots of video and cool stuff. So. Yeah. No, that's great. Please uh, do. Let us know how it goes. It's uh, red fraggle. Amy, have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time. You too. Bye now. Bye. Bye. You too. Uh, your favorite uh, band. You too. All right, we are going to um, do some news. We got a little bit yeah. of it, so here we go. In the news is sponsored by. You'll find quality in our corner. Oh, uh, yes, you will. Let's find out what's going on in the news. Brought to you by our friends at That Story Show podcast. They're sponsoring a comedy story contest where you, yes, you, can win $50 every week. Visit thatstoryshow.com and submit your real life story today. 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 That's a really cool thing. That is cool. I'm uh, excited for those guys. Yeah. Uh, all right. NASA in the news. You know, the NASA. Nas- yes, National the Aero Space Aeronautic Space Administration. Administration. Yes. There you go. Yes. Um, they got uh, they got images of a weirdly long asteroid that we want to share. <laughs> um, <laughs> that looks like a penis. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a very odd shape for an asteroid. Usually you think of it like a rounded, but then yeah. a, a big tail, usually. Or We've something. even said on this show that all asteroids look like potatoes, and NASA says, hold on, hold my. Hold my Snapple because they don't drink beer. In no, they do not. They can't. They're not allowed. Anyway, this right. thing looks like a proper potato. Uh, like Brian said, look at that thing. Uh, it does. Actually, it looks like a lung potato, like a fingerling. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah I get the these at, uh, asteroid. Get them at the, uh, the, the TGI Fridays with cheese and stuff melted in it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, six radar observations made of an asteroid swinging by our planet revealed an unusually oblong space rock. The object is three times as long as it is wide and a regular shape as far as asteroids are concerned. Uh, this one is called the twenty, uh, the 2011 AG5. I assume it was discovered in 2011. That's usually how that Probably. works. Probably, yep. Um, is about the shape and size of the Empire State Building minus the 220-foot antenna. Uh, so that gives Durr. you an idea how big, how big it is. Uh, the asteroid's nearest approach to Earth happened on February 3rd when it came within 1.1 million miles of our planet. And when scientists talk about these approaches, wow. they're usually speaking relatively anyway. Yeah, 1 million miles, you know, 1.1 million miles away from Earth is pretty pretty good. I mean, that's, you know, the, the sun is 93 million miles. So yeah. That tells you how close this thing was. Closer, in relative terms, closer than usual, I would say. Yes, exactly. Let's see, the asteroid was detected in 2011, but only recently came close enough for scientists to have a good look at it. Uh, This was on the Webb telescope. It's about 1,600 feet long, 500 feet wide, and was observed by the Goldstone Solar Power System radar at the Deep Space Network facility between January 29th and the 4th of February. Anyway, pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Yeah, no kidding. Even even Mars and uh, Venus get within like 40, 40 million miles to Earth. So one one point one million miles, pretty pretty damn close. Yeah, they have. So this is interesting. On record, one thousand yeah. forty near Earth objects, so around this distance, have been recorded hmm. over time. Okay, uh, or ob- observed by this particular planetary uh, radar to date. So since its since its inception, this is how many they've seen. They yeah, said this yeah. is the most elongated one they've seen. They've never seen one that was so potatoey. <laughs> you know? We've never seen an asteroid that's quite so long. Yeah, they're into it. They're into length uh, yeah. over there at NASA. Uh, here's a story in Ohio. Oh, good news. Ohio story. Wait a minute. Where is it? There it is. Yeah. That, that isn't about a train. So it isn't good. about the, uh, a horrible fume. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that <laughs> horrible freaking people. thing, man. Ugh. God, that is so horrendous. Nasty. Um, a pizzeria, a pizza shop, draws attention for seeking to hire non-stupid people. I like this. <laughs> I like this There's a lot. part of me that applauds this and part of me that's like, yeah, okay, I guess I, I see where there might be some some umbrage. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could see that too. A pizzeria in Columbus, Ohio, raising eyebrows uh, for after advertising to hire a specific type of job applicant. The family-owned Santino's Pizzeria has posted the sign reading, now hiring non-stupid people. Job ad has garnered a social media buzz for the tiny shop in the city's southwest side. Maybe that's all you need anyway. It's just a little buzz. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, Santino's didn't immediately respond to a request for interview. Most customers who saw the sign have laughed, says the co-owner, Jaden Donegan. Uh, it's more humor than anything, he says. It's not meant to target anyone or to be rude. Well, uh, I mean... It maybe it maybe isn't meant to, but how would you feel if you were the employee that got fired 15 minutes before they put up that sign? Yeah. Like, Oh God! Fire Scott Johnson, and let's you know put up a sign that just that just says "now hiring non stupid." Yeah, people. I think I think that employee <laughs> would take it as a slight, you know, a little bit of like a target. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So uh, they posted it two months ago out of frustration with hiring in recent months. Previous employees have come to the pizzeria with little or no work ethic, says Donigan, adding that finding good help has been difficult. Well, I understand that. Uh, Heather Stockton, manager at Santino's, told CBS affiliate WBNS that she looks for employees who or looks for employee who is, quote, just reliable on time. Just don't come to work in like sandals. <laughs> That's an exact quote. That was a very exact quote. It makes me say, all right, well, Heather, maybe, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe Man. before you when you point your finger at someone else, there are still four <laughs> fingers pointing back at you. Heather, <laughs> like just like pointing back at you, like yeah, she read it like our uh, dogs lady. Do <laughs> yes. dogs have brains? Or like the uh, the junior Miss America pageant who talked about the Iraq and mm-hmm. because they don't have maps. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was great. She was great. Truly represented us the best. Of I feel who we so are. bad for her. like you have your your crap moment out on stage oh yeah this public forum and you're never you're never gonna live that down nope and you'll always be the you person get up there that in front that. of the lights and the cameras and who knows what you you could easily just have a blank out freak out moment and poor woman had it captured for the world to see fame is a double-edged sword and the edge that cuts you is a freaking sharp gnarly one you know mm-hmm. yeah if you yeah. screw up on uh, in public psh, i watched that uh it was because nicole recommended it that um she didn't do recommendal, I don't think, but she recommended seeing it. It was the um, Pamela Anderson documentary, Pamela. Oh, right, right. Not the not the Pam and Tommy. Uh, no, not film. That. No. Although they talk about that in there. Um, I'm when, sure when they that do. Came out. But Who's, anyway, wasn't it somebody? It was somebody good that played uh, Tommy, wasn't it? Was it Sebastian? Stan yeah, Sebastian Stan. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. He got a big silver arm. That was weird. <laughs> um, no, it was very good. By the way. Highly recommend yeah, the, that documentary. The Pamela documentary. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a great. It's a great illustration of how we objectify people based For on sure. all we get to see, which is TMZ articles and photos and magazines, and that's it. Yeah, it's very good. Um, secondly, though, what was my point there? I was going to make a point. Um, because um, we were talking about the public forum saying having a crap out moment on stage. Oh, oh, oh uh, right. There was this. There was a. So when that that sex tape scandal happened. Oh, I yeah. didn't realize how much skeevy, yeah. skeevy stuff was going on that made it possible for even someone to get it. Like, it wasn't... Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't like... 
oh, uh, uh, we have all these these crazy sex tapes we make. It's like, no, they had a private thing they made. They even forgot they had it. They had it stored away under lock and key with a bunch of other memorabilia. Somebody broke into their freaking house and took it. Like somebody broke into their house and took it. So Tommy Lee freaked out on camera and punched some camera dude. Yeah. And it, it, that was kind of like that. That was it for them. Like they weren't going to, there was no way they were going to recover from this. And I always just think, man, if it was me, I would have punched him too. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, there's, there's a little bit of, of like, this is why you don't take pictures of your junk. No, I I agree. (laughs) There's like a little bit of, I agree. But There's a little bit of that. It is ninety. It is ninety nine percent on the on the foot of of that guy that broke into the house and stole the video. But it's one percent on the uh, maybe you know. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to be recording yourself having sex. Maybe you don't need to take pictures of your junk or do it <laughs> and then delete it or or something. Right. Or destroy it if it's like physical media. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Again, Brian's right. Ninety nine percent on the horrible person that broke in and took it. Yeah. Here's the other thing that pissed me off. People made millions of dollars on that tape's yeah, release. Yeah. And everybody, Pam and Tommy. <laughs> everybody but her and Tommy made that money. Right. She got yeah. nothing for anything. It's a real bummer, dude. That that's, that's a documentary that's... worth watching. I think. Yeah. It made me think a lot about stuff. Anyway, uh, let's talk about this final story here about a man sure. with the world's longest tongue. Uh, he's now using it to paint shit. So okay. <laughs> he's tired of all of the uh, the dates that he's gotten, all of the the popularity <laughs> that he's uh, yeah that he's received. Just decided, ah, I'm gonna, now it's time for me to pursue my my creative career. And indeed, uh, this California man whose tongue is 3.97 inches. That doesn't seem like a lot, but that's the Guinness Book four inches. World that's it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot, but that's the longest hold on record. On a second. All right. Well, hold on a second. 3.9 inches. Let's see. Tongue. Oh, all right. You know, all right. That's yeah. That's pretty that's, long. That's decent. Yeah. It's. In- Do you measure it from the, from the base <laughs> to the tip? The base to the tip. Is that what you're gonna yeah. say? Is that is that how far it comes out of his mouth, or is that? Do you measure it from that little uh, that little piece of uh, skin that attaches it to the base of your your mouth? That I, horrible. That little whatever that is. That. Webbed. Yeah. Um, great question. I don't know because how else? I would think it has to be. Exit of mouth, yeah, is where uh, you by, would start. By, so I did kind of. I, no, I did from. It can't be. He can't. Be, that thing can't be four inches from from. Right from the exit <laughs> of his mouth. I don't know, man. I know. The whole thing's freaking me out. Uh, yeah, I, I get two and a half inches from the from like the the little webbed yeah. dealy. Uh, Kim, Kim can get a full three, but not the point nine. She can do three though. <laughs> I don't know how wide. I swear, I swear, please come back and, and record clips she, for she us. She has a crazy summer. long Jamie, tongue. Please, Jamie, come on. I'm going to get Kim to stick it out <laughs> on camera so people can see how long her tongue is. She's got Gene Simmons level tongue. Is what she's got. Uh, anyway, so this guy is now painting. Uh, he's using his his most unique body muscle to paint. His name is Nick Stoberl. Was awarded the world record for the tongue length, uh, male edition. I guess they have a break for male sure. or female. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, was officially measured at three point nine seven inches. For, oh, here it is. Tip, tip to teeth. Tip to teeth. It. That's yeah. an interesting. Okay, hold on. Now we've got a little way to do it. All right, this is some good. Here's some good uh, gift material. Better get your screenshots ready here. I can't do it. So I have a short tongue. <laughs> 
Kick your ego. Golly, this is tough to do because I'm laughing so hard. I know, it's hard. <laughs> oh, that's not good at all. One and, one and a half inches okay. from tip to teeth. Okay, so then it, that three point whatever, that's impressive outside Wait, of back that. teeth or front teeth? Front, <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. I assume they mean exit teeth, front teeth, but they yeah. don't actually say here. Uh, let's see. Wow. He, he's, uh, he's, so he wraps his tongue in plastic wrap and then dips it in paint and then draws on a canvas. Uh, he's wow. selling his paintings for about 1200 bucks. So get on it, I guess. You know what? Good for him. And uh, one and a half inches for me or two inches for me, I could do some pointillism, which would be just fine. Oh, uh, there are a lot of, lot of great pointillist artists out there. And uh, Oh, here's know. a video of his length. Oh, sorry, of his tongue length. Look at Oh, geez. Oh, really? Ooh, yeah. I want to okay, see. he does have a long... If you click that link uh, and, then, and then yeah. do the video, that is a beast. Okay, okay where is he painting oh. now? Dang! I mean, just the just the thumbnail image of it. Oh, these paintings are terrible, though. Oh my gosh! Wow. Okay. That's a lot. He can he can untie his tie with his tongue. Shut up! <laughs> look at that. I mean, if you look at like where it is in relation to his collar and his tie, he could totally do it. Oh, that's foul. Something about long tongues freak me out. Yeah. It's demonic or uh, something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, his is like it's very pointed. Oh yeah, Mine's very like pointed. Flat. Tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all about um, you know picking up jewelry and stuff with it. Yeah, I'm sure. I have no idea. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> well, there's that. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, my he sister can, Wendy. He can pull muscles from the shell. <laughs> That's right, he can. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have Wendy back here in a minute. We're gonna talk about some stuff. I got a quick follow up for her, and then a discussion about something called attachment theory, which I'm very curious to learn about. So we're gonna do that here in a moment. Before that, though, song yeah. break. Brian has a song. What do you got? This is uh, what a great name for a band. The band is called Daydream Daydream Review. So not just Daydream, but Daydream Review. Uh, he's a psych pop artist. Goes by that name. He's got a brand new single that just came out yesterday Whoa. this is so good his debut lp is called leisure it's due out april 7th via side hustle records big thanks to uh lee over at side hustle for hooking me up with this one uh daydream review gonna be live in chicago this winter and spring so make sure you go check him out here is the brand new single called no eternity
what your orders are, Colonel. There's no need for a fight here. Besides, you got women and children with them. Nothing they can do but surrender. My orders from General Connor are explicit. I'm not to accept surrender on any terms. And I'm to kill every hostile over the age of 12. You lied to me, Kane. A phenomenon that had to happen when the TV set married the computer. I love whatever it is I'm talking about on this show. This is The Morning Stream. And we returned. Tell me who that was again, because that was rad. That was good. Yeah, I'll tell you. The song is called No Eternity. That is from an artist who goes by Daydream Review. The brand new album is uh, coming out April 7th called Leisure. But that's just going to give you a little taste with your long tongue, a little taste of what the rest of the album uh, sounds like. Very nice. I loved yesterday's track. Middle track. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, it was good. You're going to like this one, too. All right. I mean, I know you just heard it, Scott. Oh, yeah, wink, just heard it. But, no, wink, uh, wink. Yeah, but, nudge. Uh, when nudge, you nudge. listen to it again later, you're really going to like it. Yeah, really. <laughs> the second time is really the time. Uh, all right. Hey, look, everybody. What do we got right here? Everyone knows Wendy. That's right. My sister, Wendy, is uh, here and with us again. Hi, Wendy. Hey. Hi. Hello. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, for those who are maybe new to this, this is how it works. Wendy's an actual therapist, all right? Not just my sister. She's like uh, a therapist who helps people all the time with their real problems. And uh, she comes on the show, slums it down here with the, with, the, with the low folk, all right? And helps us with our problems. How about that? How about them apples? That's pretty good. Uh, so it's good to have you here. Hey, by the way, I'm visiting mom Sunday. Anything you need me to do or take or say or <laughs> anything like that? You got any special message you'd like me to pass on that you yeah, don't give you her over the phone? say hi. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to <laughs> yeah, say to John? Hey. Uh, let's say, John, hey, you grumpy old fart. What's going on? Like that? No, say oh. that. That's, yeah. Okay. That was my second thing I'm going to do. No. Great. No, that's exciting. Is it... You can drive. There's snow in your way. Yeah, if if the roads are okay. I mean, right now, we have four feet of snow. It's not melting yet. The roads are being cleared. Uh, I assume by Sunday, things will be in pretty good shape, but I have no idea. I hope hope it works. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This snow, man. The snowman? (laughs) Anyway, hey. Snowman. Snowman. So we had, you know, this this storm was on its way to us, and they were talking about it'll be the third biggest snowstorm in the history of the Twin Cities, Jeez. and everybody batting down the hatches. My kids were off school for two straight days. Pre-storm. My, my dear, oh, that was pre-storm. just preparing for the storm and they were off school? Yeah, because it was two years ago, I think. Jeez. Or a year or whatever. I don't know. Not a COVID year. But they uh, made a call a little late because you just don't cancel school ever in Minnesota for snow because that would be every day. Right. Right, Or, or, you know, whatever. But they said you made a call a little late and kids were stuck on buses everywhere and kids didn't get home till 9 PM. So (laughs) it was not great. So now they're a little, you know, quick to the, the thing. So this thing was supposed to be huge and it is so like, like, I don't know, eight, I don't know, maybe it's 18 inches. It's like not a big deal. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is the problem with weather. We can only predict it so far. Um, You know what makes me resent all that is uh, in growing up, there's always a lot of snow here in Utah. We have snow in Salt Lake City anyway or up in the north. I never once had a school snow day. All all of K through 12, never. Not even even when I was taking college college courses did I ever like have a day where it's like, oh, the snow's too bad. Nobody can come in. Like never had a snow day. I'm pretty sure you did. 
Oh, I did. My junior year wasn't the most snow like any and everyone's seen. It. Yeah. yeah. It was one of my favorite days of it. my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Carter, same deal. She never had a snow day. Wow. All her God, we had life. them all the time. Yeah. I just got oh. unlucky. The big snows happen either during holidays, off yeah. times, a weekend. Or like you're an adult. Uh, yeah, when so I'm an adult, yeah, it. it's so stupid. I got robbed as a kid because everyone dreams of a snow day. I never got one. Yeah, it's so great. Like you know, my kids are not dreaming of it because they're out um, snow blowing. As they're we snow blowing. Yeah, that's good. They're snow. That's blowing. what's great about having three boys. Just put them on. Yeah, it, they know? love it. They're like, how about don't gender stereotype me, mom, and make me do physical labor outside. <laughs> And they're like, too bad. Get their sister out there. Sister is an administration position. Don't worry about it. You guys get out there and get it done. Uh, All right. Well, it's good to have you here. I'm going to read a quick follow up from last week just to, uh, you know, we like feedback about what we previously talked about. And uh, here's a quick one from Luke in Boulder, Colorado. He says, I wanted to comment on JH's email during Wendy's segment today. And this was last week. My buddies and I started a podcast in early 2020, and we got a whopping 20 downloads per episode if we were lucky. Uh, But we're 70 episodes in, and we keep going because we like hanging out with each other, and we're proud of the content we put out. Uh, We like the process of podcasting, and that's good enough for us, uh, says Luke. So I think, yeah, uh, as a follow-up, you know, obviously everybody's goals are different, but I think that's a healthy approach unless you have a broader strategy that, you know, might include investment and other things to get your name out there. So, you know, this is a great, it's a healthy way to look at it. Or maybe the the thing I was trying to scratch out a little bit last time of like, maybe what else is actually going on for you, right? Like, right. hey, who cares if people don't watch or I don't need the money. I just love hanging out with my buddies. Like you found the thing you get from it versus, and it makes you do it, right? Like we're going to record our voices. So it feels like an obligation, like, you know, everyone wants to be hanging out with their buddies, but they don't. Why? Well, there's no actual reason to, you have to just make it happen. So having that kind of extra obligation is great. But for this guy, the email or yeah, the guy who sent the email, I, my sense of just like your identity's on the line a little bit, right? Right. Like right. There's a, a much deeper thing. And so, you know, yeah, it may be a healthier attitude like Colorado is saying. Um, but is that, is it really, I mean, you got to look at what you're, what you're actually needing out of something. I mean, people, and this actually will lead into what we're going to talk about a little bit today, but just, you know, that, that question of what do I like getting a little more curious about what do I need from yeah. this? And it's a couple layers in usually it's usually like, well, I got to pay the bills. And that is yes, a thing, but I got to pay the bills in a way that will make my father who is never proud of me, proud of me yeah. is a really different mm-hmm. thing yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know? Sure. sure. Well, it's interesting. So I, there we go. Yep. Appreciate the follow up. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Luke. Uh, always For sure. good. Yeah. Now we're going to dive into something you call, Attachment theory. And, I call. Uh, I'm the only one. Yeah, you're the I only one. It <laughs> it's a brand new thing Wendy came up with. Um, you refer to the, you've you've dubbed attachment. I have theory. dubbed a term uh, new. That's not true. So what does it mean? Like I, I'm going to guess. Can I guess what it means? Yeah. All yeah. right. Have you never heard of this? N- never heard of it until you said it, and that's why it jumped out at me because it sounded like oh, it'd be okay. interesting to talk about. So attachment okay, can theory. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. I have this problem all the time where I assume everyone knows everything I know. Yeah. yeah. Is that weird? That is weird. No. Yeah. I think it's weird. Okay. Have you come up with a name for that, Wendy? <laughs> it's some kind of, uh, for sure everyone knows this. And it's weird <laughs> and not helpful to, to, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, 
I don't know. Like, you don't know yeah. that? And I'm like, oh, you haven't spent 20 years in therapy sessions like mm-hmm. I have? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all do that to some degree. There's some yeah. part yeah. of our life that we know better than we realize, and we assume that everybody else knows as so, well. Like, how does how does Scott know not know what attachment theory is? This is weird. It's anyway, like with, it's like with Kim. She doesn't, you know. I assume she knows stuff about tech, like deeper issues with tech yeah. technology than she does, and it annoys her to no end that I assume that. And then she looks at me like <laughs> I don't know that. And then I'm like, oh, why do you know that? And then she's like, well, don't ask me why I don't know that. Well, of course I don't know. Nobody knows that. And I realize, oh yeah, she's right. A lot of people probably don't know that. Yeah, so I think true. we all do it. You're right, Brian. Uh, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let me make a guess here. Attachment theory. So it's a theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got that just from the name. Yeah. About attachment. <laughs> um, it's, okay. It's going to have something to do with parents and kids and their, why, why they get atta- too attached uh, or, or not detached enough as they grow older. And that this is Be somehow about that. Something. Yeah. Dependence. Yeah. Or something yeah, is yeah. how this is related. You're doing good. Okay. You're doing good. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, <laughs> let me start with this. I've got a got a few British clients, and they are fun, and they are a particular <laughs> they're a particular breed. Those yeah, Brits. I hear they need extra therapy. Yeah, they kind of do, and yeah. they definitely have not gotten enough. Uh, and they've had to leave their <laughs> island and find other places to conquer in order to be okay um so anyway no uh and it's a a fun theme sometimes because as i'm talking about whatever uh sometimes like hey you need to communicate more or have you shared that feeling they're always just like listen american you do it differently and i'm like i know but could you try it (laughs) uh because you know stiff upper lip and whatnot right um and so i find attachment theory particularly uh fascinating the history of its discovery is interesting because everybody who studied attachment theory and kind of came up with it um john bowlby is kind of the the most famous one um name wise that you might you wouldn't have heard of uh, mary ainsworth some others anyway uh, british folks and i find it amazing that you know the people who are going to study attachment styles between a child and their caregiver are going to be British kids who were sent off to boarding school at age five, <laughs> right? Yeah. And maybe didn't get all. And I am obviously very much stereotyping. There's plenty of warm, very attached British families. Um, it's just the ones I get to see, maybe not so much. Anyway, so the, these researchers were looking at, and I don't know if you guys know the history of, we may have talked about this before, but just kind of the early understanding of psychology, just sort of, you know, Freud had a huge impact on how people thought about different things and a, and a very common older generation was, you know, kind of that kids are to be seen, not heard deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And what do kids need was definitely not in the zeitgeist. It was like, well, get big enough so you can help me at the farm. Right. Like it was not, (laughs) what is their psychosocial, emotional well-being like? Um, And so there's some, some old, um, stories and studies of, you know, how orphanages were run. And there's one in particular, I want to say it was in Hungary or Romania. I'm getting it, mm. the country wrong. Um, where these kids were just dying in these orphanages. These young babies were dying and there was no disease. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. And what it was is they were being cared for physically. They had food and they were clothed and their diapers were changed, but they were not being held. 
um, and they were not having any kind of attachment developed between any kind of caregiver and they failure to thrive essentially and would die. Mm. Um, and so, you know, modern psychology is like, Oh, we should pay attention to that. Mm. What's happening. And so some of these early attachment theorists, theorists were looking at how this works and how someone bonds, how from a very young age, the bonding that takes place between a caregiver and a child and how that, uh, attachment to that caregiver can look. And so they studied in lots of different ways. And so you may have heard of this. It's pretty famous kind of initial one of these studies that have determined some different types of attachment. So we'll go into the attachment styles. Um, but what the study was is they take, you know, however many caregivers, most of them were mothers and they bring them in with a child that's about a year or less into, you know, a room and there's toys kind of further away from where the mother and the child are sitting. And then they observe and, you know, of course, figure out who these families are and what's going on and yeah. that type of thing. But also just observed what happens and how the child reacts to certain stimuli. So um, and they saw a bunch of different things. And what we call a secure attachment would look like this would look like a child gets set down and wanders off to go kind of see the toys, but would look back to mom to see if it was okay and see that that was fine and then further explore and then would come back and check in and then maybe go find something else to play with or explore. Right. So the idea of secure attachment starts with this idea of safe enough to then explore and take some risks, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine a child that just is that that's what they're doing. That's a pretty, that's the most common type of attachment is secure. Right. Um, I don't know all the numbers, but you know, it's supposed to be 60% of people have secure attachments. Um, maybe a little more than that. And so that's how that would look. And they, they were able to sort of see that. Okay. So then, then you'd also have a kid who, and I need to real quick say a caveat. If you have a child doing any of these things right now, this does not mean your kid's broken and you're broken and you've done everything wrong. Not at all. Because kids' development of these attachments can vary at time and can get better and change and do different things. And those styles can shift a little bit. But what we found is you can kind of really see a, a, an initial style showing up in these early years. So... This is before we even used the word postpartum depression or understood that women had souls. So let's be clear. Um, <laughs> we blamed them all this time for things, uh, right. not recognizing that, hey, maybe they weren't okay in these child raising moments. And so some of that might be evident in some of these attachment styles. So mom's really depressed and can't, you know, look a child in the aisle and I meet its needs because she's not functioning, yeah. you know, that kid's going to have a different response to that, that caregiver than the kid who gets a caregiver who's mirroring back, you know, safety, warmth, and you're all good. Right. Right. Okay. So that's one of the attachments is secure. Any guesses you want to just throw out names of what you think the other attachment styles are? Uh, oh, geez. Uh, uh like protection maybe. Okay. Um, Oh geez, um, like security. So imagine the little kids you've seen before. What what happens when they're in a public place and mom sets them on the floor and, or dad sets them on the floor and they they don't just wander off reach. and explore? Yeah, they just like, uh, like cling to your leg and cry. Cling to your leg, exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so anxious anxious is another attachment style, um, 
and anxious, ambivalent is kind of a common word for those being together, but take that idea of being anxiously attached. So not quite sure mom's going to leave you or not, right? Um, not sure the world's safe. I got to make sure my, my home base is safe. And so kids will do that and not ever leave, you know, their, their mother's leave side. Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. And then, um, then you have a disorganized and that can be kind of, they're a little bit all over the map. Right. Yeah. And, um, not quite sure. And then maybe throwing a tantrum or, you know, doing various Various things showing it's disorganized. And then the, the final one is avoidant. Um, and avoidant is kind of fearful avoidant. There's two of these, actually. There's like a dismissive avoidant, like the kid just wanders off and never looks back. Mm-hmm. And then a fearful avoidant can be more of the upset and don't really trust that this is a safe thing. Right. Okay. Right. So they kind of come up with these four categories, five categories, and they start... Um, postulating like, oh, humans need to feel securely attached because what happens in adulthood, you know, they go on to um, have many relationships. So our first human two-person relationship is with our caregiver, right? Yeah. And so, you know, how does that then lead to different attachment styles later on? And so the theory goes is not that you are destined from being a one-year-old all the way till now, Oh, by the way, I, I should have given you the, the time stamp for this is the 1950s, okay? Oh, everyone, so it's not everyone's even, favorite weird thinking, time of development, yes. Okay. Exactly. And you're thinking, 1950s, didn't we hug children then? No, <laughs> we did not. <laughs> we got boomers for a reason. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so so that is the, like, <clears throat> that was kind of the, the time frame here, okay? Yeah. All right, so then the idea here is that the primary goal of a human infant is to maintain proximity to the caregiver for survival reasons, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the question is always, am I safe? Am I going to survive? And it's very visceral and primal at that very young age, right? Yeah, and yeah. so you can see these things things hap- happening, right? right? And then as they grow older, and this is where people get interested, and this is why I, I thought we could talk about it today is they may be experiencing certain kinds of things in their relationships and they don't maybe have a name for what's happening. Mm. So let's, let's come up with an example of maybe you've been in a relationship like this with somebody or you are that, that is your attachment style or like you can imagine, I mean, maybe there's a good movie example of showing an insecure attachment. Yeah. Um, they don't text right away. They don't reassure you all the time that, they're still with you, you know, you're, you sort of panic if certain signs you think might be there when the other person's like, oh, I, you know, that song I'm thinking of is where she talks in her sleep. Oh, oh yeah. Talking in your sleep by the romantics. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there we go. Or just head. that idea yeah. of like, what are you talking about? We're fine. Yeah. And the person's yeah. like, we're not fine. So that's an example <laughs> of an anxious attachment. Yeah. And, okay. and it really has been demonized because it is, it feels it's hard, right? It's clingy. Mm-hmm. This person needs lots of reassurance, et cetera. Yeah. And, yeah, it, and it usually goes borderline to jealousy and, mm-hmm. and stalking and stuff like that. Right. So we all have a bit of a like, ooh, don't be that. But yeah. then maybe all of us have experienced just a little bit of it. And it's often because we are not actually secure in that relationship. It isn't healthy or the person does certain behaviors that are kind of 
create that lack of stability. Like, you know, it's always like, are we dating other people? That vibe, <laughs> like the thing you need to ask, um, you know, might be hap- that happening. So right, right. a way to think about it is that we're sort of unconsciously expect our, our partners, romantic partners particularly, to act as our parents did. Yeah. Ooh. Right? About him, yeah. Uh, uncertain or certain. You're saying that's we- not healthy? Uh, <laughs> no. Weird. Weird. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And so what there's some studies. One study showed that women score higher on the anxiety or the anxious kind of more attachment, and men tend to score higher on the avoidance. Um, that isn't always true, of course. Um, they're the gender differences are kind of small, but it really has an impact. And often those two will find each other, regardless of you know, gender identity, there is a often a, a an avoider and an anxiety, anxious attachment that come together. Yeah. And you think of the magic that that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I will avoid and you will get more anxious. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. that sort of keeps happening, right? Sure. Um, and so disorganized, atta- I'll just say one quick thing about that, can often in an adult just look, it, like in children, it'll look fearful avoidant. Like, ah, I don't know what's happening. And as an adult, it could just be like show up as totally avoidant. But there's a, a, a big fearful component there and not really maybe wanting closeness, but can't. And, you know, so it gets can get a little bit messy. Sure. So so when people come along and they're like describing their relationship and they've never heard of this concept before, sometimes it can be really helpful to just identify that. And I, I know pop psychology is like, Diagnose yourself, and then now this explains everything. And then what do I do with it? Like I, I get that that uh, this could definitely, you know, fall into one of these categories where you're like, okay, this explains my whole life. Um, and then what do I do about it? Because it's really difficult on your own to think. I'm just gonna fix my attachment style. I'm just gonna be secure here, mm-hmm. um, right? And so it can feel, uh, it can feel hard but on one hand really like having a clue about it has been really helpful for a lot of people They're like oh i'm anxiously attached that explains this response i have oh my partner is definitely avoidant attached so you know they say they still love me and they don't know what i'm freaking out about but i just feel like i'm on alert all the time and so when i work with a couple and we can kind of identify the strategies they use to maintain attachment um and then we can work on how to destigmatize the anxiously attached one and and figure out what has kept the insecure or sorry the avoidant attached one avoiding like we know kind of where to go with that so and does this all tie into why a lot of people um i don't know if i don't want to speak for everybody but it feels like a lot of men have trouble with this with their fathers later mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. less of an issue when they're young and harder when they're older. And I have a theory as to why that feels that way. Do you know what Freud's theory is first? Yeah, please. What is it? It's uh, you've, you had what, sex with your aunt or something? What is it? You're competing Something with a sexual, cigar. The sexual attention of your mother. Oh, okay. oh sure. Yeah, of course it was. Just he's, kidding. Okay, keep he's going. Weird. What were you saying? Anyway, so my point is like, you know, I'll I'll see stuff Nick does. And I just feel like I have to bite my lip because I'm like, because I'd been through it and I know the outcome, but I also know he needs to figure it out on his own. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I feel a little bit like standoffish with him. And I think he may see that and interpret that as me 
detaching avoiding. for lack of, or avoiding, sure. yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I did that with dad. I definitely felt that. And I've talked to a lot of people who have that kind of thing with their fathers. Again, yeah. it might be moms too. I don't know, but it just feels like this is all I know. So this is where I'm coming from. But is that a thing? And is it tied to this? And just why is it so much weirder when they're old, when you're older than when you're younger? It's all like weird stuff with your mom. But when you get older, it's all it feels like it's all stuff with your dad. Yeah. And everyone's going to be different in, in how this plays out because it could happen like in multiple directions. I would say the probably core common element there is communicating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so maybe um, there's a different communication aptitude between one of the parents and that child and maybe having never dealt with the feeling you're having, you don't then know how to approach the kid and say, Hey, this is my stuff, not your stuff. And like figuring it out together. Right. Like that would be the advanced version an emotionally advanced version is that we have built a communication strategy that I'm aware of my stuff going on here and I can reach out to you and not make it about you. And, you know, like my, my take out your own garbage concept. Right. Right. And so, but then having the ability to translate those into words and come to a place where there's an understanding and a, and a, and a safety when you don't have the words and you don't have the practice of that. Often it can just be avoiding is definitely easier, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, stepping back or whatever, it can definitely be easier. And, and maybe if we, if if the mom is better at it, it might be just she is unable to sort of handle that feeling mm-hmm. of separation. And so we'll move towards the child to get the reconciliation. Um, and, and it really is a skill set. And I think that's what's what's fun when you sort of study and think in terms of attachment theory and styles is it's about, you know, essentially easing the experience in your body, soothing your internal freeze, fight, I'm not okay vibes and learning how to manage those so that you can move towards someone rather than away from them or moving towards them like a train in order to try to feel comfortable. It's more of your own work within you, right? So everyone's going to vary in their, their capacity to do this. And some people have to really heal from some things that have wounded them and made them not safe. Um, I also think some kids are just born screaming unattached a little bit. (laughs) Like it's really hard to think it's just 100% like, oh, that 18 months, first 18 months mattered 100%. You know, like I think some of it is just a a tendency. So take, for example, a kid who just has a more sort of baseline emotionally needy or needs more physical touch or just needs you – closer for Mm -hmm. security reasons and it's born to a parent that's like okay don't touch me anymore (laughs) or i need some space or you know like and that's where these generational things kind of get interesting is like what are the styles if we did like your family tree what's the attachment styles of of various family members and going back to great grandparents and of course when no one ever talked about any of this stuff like what are you watching because i think you can um perpetuate some of the the challenges that come with you know my dad was kind of there but never spoke to me but i know he loved me because he worked hard yeah you know can feel like a real disconnect because we don't have skills and words and getting to um a particular place i remember when grandpa ward and grandma 
Well, I guess she was just grandma. <laughs> what do we call her? Because we called him Grandpa Ward for some reason. Because I she guess was just grandma. Okay, she was just grandma. But anyway, my my grandparents on my mom's side, those two hardly said anything at anything. I mean, grandma was vocal, but it was never like that kind of vocal. And Grandpa Ward just sat in that chair and stared at everybody. He never said anything, felt like. Huh. And I always wondered about that. And it wasn't like a problem growing up or anything, but it just seemed so odd to me that you'd have like 12 grandkids running around, having fun, giggling or whatever, and you'd just sit there on that pipe and not move and not say anything. And just sit there and watch them and be like, yep, that's yep. what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized like, <clears throat> you know, now I think there's some of this. Right. There's a generational yeah. like thing. Yes. Huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just, you know, you don't so know remember in 1950 when your grandparents were 40 years old. Yeah. Was the first time we thought kids had feelings. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that explains it uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, sometimes uh, people will say, oh, man, kids these days. And yeah, the pendulum has swung pretty far. Right. Yeah. And maybe a little far. In that, you know, we, we center kids' feelings a little too much and then parents who need to be the security and structure might fall apart, right? And so maybe that swung a little far. But, man, we needed to swing if, you know, in 1950 we are like, we should touch the children every once in a while. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They need – Right. Now just, we're like, you know, now we got to eat their placentas, just, you know? Just <laughs> in the corner and send them down to the – <laughs> the grocery store to buy themselves an apple. Exactly. exactly. That's funny. We went since 60 years, we went from, I probably should pat them on the head once in a while yeah. to I'm going to eat the placenta from the birth. It's, that's hilarious to me. It is a, it's a big jump. <laughs> it's a jump. jump. And it comes from, it comes from that, some of that core feeling of neglect. And I, I tease about the boomers, but honestly, they came from parents who didn't maybe meet some needs and man, if they showed us how they're compensating, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and then yeah. they raise kids and like everybody is doing some swing from what their parents did to some extent. I mean, you wonder if the next generation of kids are just like, I'm not touching my kids. <laughs> my parents smothered me or whatever it might be. Right. Like that is very human to, to, to fluctuate a little bit here, but at least we understand more about the brain and we understand more about, you know, security of, a, a child because ultimately what happens and, and this is why we all love the secure attachment style i want to destigmatize the anxious attachment because that is not that you are a bad person we have a lot of labels for that right yeah. and we're critical of that but the yeah. truth is it's a safety factor and if we can increase safety for for people psychologically and emotionally that stuff yeah. just calms right down. It sure. is not a, a disease. Yeah, you don't have control over whether or not you feel safe in an environment and need 100%, to. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And your system is wired around something. So you know, let's raise you in a war zone, and yeah. you know, then spend <laughs> the rest of your how life, you react. Yeah. yeah, trying to soothe your nervous system when it is wired to react, be reactive, right? So, so we need to be kind for sure. But yeah. so, so let's talk about what secure attachment looks like and. You can see why people want this, right? And I, I mean, I do like the number. It is most people um, because sometimes I'm like, nobody is securely attached. And that's not true. They, yeah. they are. But let me describe it for you. Okay. So secure, a sign of secure attachment style is the ability to regulate your emotions. Yeah. Easily trust others. Effective communication. Ability to seek emotional support. Comfortable being alone. Comfortable in close relationships. Ability to self-reflect in partnerships being easy to connect with, ability to manage conflict well, 
high self-esteem, ability to be emotionally available. Mm. So you hear that and you're like, I want all those. Yeah, that's awesome. Very nice. Right? Yeah. Right. And then how that shows up in relationships is if you grow up feeling secure, secure emotionally and physically, then you can just engage with others in sort of a healthy way. And your partner's intentions don't seem, you know, you're, you're not looking for, oh, they're jealous or they're angry at me or they're about to slap me or, you know, whatever. They just feel worthy of love and work it out when things go wrong. Like mm. it's ideal from a relationship perspective because there isn't all the extra stuff you're dealing with. Right. So if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, I don't like myself. I don't manage conflict well. I can't ever seem to self-reflect when I'm with a partner. It's not till afterwards. Um, I can't be alone. I can't be with people. You know, like you're finding like all the ways that you're like, this humans are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Then your attachment style might be at the core of some of this. And, you know, that's where working through with somebody to figure out sort of where the wounds have been and healing from those wounds can do a lot to let your, your body rewire a little bit and your mind rewire about what is safe and what is not, not safe. Mm. And that's why you'll find like, you know, movies will show this or, you know, you can find it in any good book, right? Someone finds the person that completes them and mm. quotes really just settles their nervous system. Yeah, um, that's really that it. person yeah. is often securely attached and then can uh, securely attached people are contagious. By the yeah. Way. Yeah, I agree. And so you can really help a relationship by finding someone who's securely attached. However, it's real tough when you're super attracted to the person who's going to run away from you. Yeah. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're anxious and vice versa. Right. right. Oh, see, that makes so much more sense about a whole lot of people. I know I hadn't really thought mm -hmm. of it in these terms of this, 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 uh, lens. But this is this is revealing, <laughs> right? Not naming names yeah. or anything, people. I'm just saying I know <laughs> some people. Name names. Yeah, I'm not going to name okay, anybody. So if I were to name names, those names would be. They would be the following list. Sorry, <laughs> but Wendy, what are yeah. you going to say? Yeah, I was going to just go into. I mean, if you're interested, we could go into some of the the because I just described the the one everybody wants, <laughs> but we could go a little more in depth in the sort of. Uh, Avoidant and anxious. If you're interested, all right. Well, that's super. All right. I, I, let's let's yeah. take the emotionally uh, the distant avoidant. You know. Yeah. Style. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be. It's it's called avoidant or dismissive avoidant. Right. Um, you can be anxiously avoidant. There's all uh, we can add words right here. But basically, <laughs> the idea is you're you're basically your relationship. Long term relationships are defined with. You know your inability to engage in mm -hmm. physical and emotional intimacy. So, you know, you see people saying like, I need to date someone who's emotionally available. Yeah. Right. So notice you can still date someone who's emotionally not available. That means they're somehow available. Some part of them is available, but there's definitely things you're not going to get to because they're not going to, they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to share that. They, or they won't. Right. Yeah. So often this, we can find this, this will happen from, someone who had very strict or emotionally distant or absent caregivers. So you can have a variety of parents create the same outcome of they're just emotionally distant. Maybe all your needs are met physically, but just emotionally not so, or just straight up absent, mm -hmm. not around. Um, and too strict will do this. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that's because you're not actually emotionally integrated in a relationship. There's just the rules and the right way. And, 
all of that and not. Mm. And no know, time for love. Basically. No time, no for, time love. for love. Yeah. yeah. And I say this all the time. And I think this applies here is like the, the role of parenting was the most important thing, not the relationship of parenting. And so that strictness and that distance, it creates that distance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it could be just that they expect you to be independent or if you depended on them, you were in trouble for that. Mm. Um, you got rejected if you expressed your needs or emotions, and then maybe they were slow to respond to like some basic needs. So what that teaches you as a, as a kid is my needs are not going to be said out loud, right? Cause I will, I have to protect myself from them being avoid or, you know, sorry, being denied or ridiculed or getting in trouble for having needs. Right. 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 Um, so yeah. And that can be from a a down, you know, like an outright neglectful parent all the way to just like a busy parent who's just kind of disinterested. Yeah. Um, okay. So then you just get real independent so you don't have to rely on, on support from anyone else. Yeah. Right. Super easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Just yeah. turn that leaf. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Right. And You're then, and then as adults, their you know, their relationships tend to be at arm's length. Um, they just have no idea how, how to go deeper. There's, there's just never been any kind of safe practice to do that. Yeah. Both. I mean, their romantic relationships and their, their parenting, their own kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. And yeah. kids are a really great way to activate your attachment style deficits because mm-hmm. <laughs> they require you to attach. And Puts some people, right I mean, stage. Yeah. it does, it does. And I think, um, I mean, Scott, in our case, I've analyzed our, our parents' attachment styles a little bit. And, and I think dad came from a very detached oh, yeah. father and that he was leaps and bounds better. Oh yeah, um, he was he was that weird, rare, uh, you know, like the chain breaker, the chain right? breaker, especially yeah, f- yeah. for the males. And I think a, a big influencing factor was that his mom was very gentle and a very attachment, yeah, based. You know, for especially, someone who especially didn't, with him, like yeah, whatever reason, very that, gentle yeah. and very. And so mm-hmm. I think that you know that created some of that resilience that maybe wouldn't have come otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so any questions about the avoidant? Uh, no, that don't make sense okay. to me. I get okay. it. Especially the, so the anxiety one, which I did not know existed either. These are all new terms, but they all make sense now that you describe mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So the anxious attachment style, this is the one most people get excited to talk about because the avoidant ones, we all just say, oh, they're emotionally unavailable. And then they turn on the TV. You know, it's not like they aren't texting you all night and making no. you, you know, whatever. But the anxious attachment style tends to get more attention. Um and there's two different ones, an anxious ambivalent and anxious preoccupied. Mm. So the core characteristics of this kind of attachment is the fear of rejection, of abandonment, um, needing that partner for validation and emotional regulation, like I was saying before, and really shows a lot of codependency tendencies. So we have a clinical uh, pathological term for a severe case of attachment anxious attachment style, and that's borderline personality disorder. Mm. So we've literally given it a name and a lot of stigma. BPD, um, baby. Woo, people yeah. love that one. Yeah. When really what, you know, there, there's there's almost a, a depersonalization that occurs. Um, it, the codependency is so strong. I am nothing without this person. 
um, and the fluctuating between they're all good or all bad. I mean, there's there, it's more complicated than just anxious attachment, but that really is at its core. Um, right. Okay, so let's talk about how you get you get anxious attachment, um, and it comes from inconsistent parenting that is not attuned to the kid's need at all. So basically, the the child has a difficulty understanding their caregivers has no security for what to expect from them in the future doesn't understand what happened in the past, often gets confused, um, you know, just by their parents' different relationships, whether it's their marriages or friendships or something, and just feels unstable. Yeah. Um, and so they have high distress when their caregivers leave. And, you know, sometimes the parents will be supportive and responsive to the child's needs. And then at other times not, which adds to this, like, it works, it doesn't work, it works, it doesn't work. Um, just alternating and that's pretty problematic. So, so that would look like from a parent's standpoint doing this, it would be overly coddling and then detached and indifferent. Right. Mm -hmm. It would also, the, the parent is easily overwhelmed. Um, so the kids are sort of observing this just stress you know, panic mood fluctuation. Yeah. And mm -hmm. suddenly my, my parent is out of control. They feel out of control and that, you know, makes everything feel out of control. Mm -hmm. um, and then that similar attentive sometimes and push you away to others. And then here's probably the kicker is parent making a child feel responsible for how they feel. Hmm. So these kids grow up thinking they're supposed to take care of other people's feelings. Right. And so in order to do that, you've got to be close. You've got to be observant. You've got to be reading every single sign that's ever out there. And, uh, I'm not okay unless that person's okay. So people yeah. pleasers are like, you know, if we have a spectrum here, codependent all the way to, you know, borderline personality disorder, you know, you have a spectrum here of, I got to make sure everyone's happy. I'm taking care of everyone in this room. This stranger needs me to make them feel good, you know, like mm -hmm. to, you know, pretty extreme. Yeah. There. How come we have these, why like borderline personality disorder or, uh, autism or it, whatever there's always, it's always a spectrum, but we all like to have it in these little black and white holes. Don't we? We like to be able to go, well, that guy's got borderline personality disorder. That guy's not even borderline. He's got a personality disorder. And it's like, here's the, here's the chunk, chunk, chunk of these things you have. Instead, it's not that it's this granular, huge thing. Like autism is so vast and so different between two you know, cases of it, the, the, the trying to narrow it down to one name is just so futile. I don't know why we have to do that as humans. Oh, we do that because the history of how some, how this developed applies, which is that, um, you know, the diagnostic manual of mental disorders gets written and it gets written by a bunch of dudes. Yeah. And, again, in the fifties discovered children need love, right? Like they, it's a developmental process of like what you've learned over time and things have shifted and changed and how we do that. But we also have the insurance company model that in order to help anyone, we have to get paid to do that. So then we have to decide what is worth worthy of treating. Mm -hmm. And, and so we you know, treat and, and stuff based on that. Yeah. Exactly. And the treatment, you know, may not be, it definitely wouldn't be the same for case A and case B, but right. knowing that, all right, it's autism. We start with this, yes. this macro level of treatment, and then we can kind of fine tune it once we've identified that and go down to the specific person. Yes. Yeah. And so, so 
that was a, a much generous, more generous version of my history, but just like this <laughs> idea of like, we got to know how to categorize this. We now have to know how to pay it, pay for yeah. it. We, we need to know all these things, but in the end, it's just so pathologizing. Like that is our, mm-hmm. the modern, at least American medical model is we, we will treat pathology. We will not, you know, work on someone thriving. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there are, there are codes and different things you use for different things to be covered. And some of the stuff that isn't so serious doesn't get paid for. And then other things, you know, we have to wait till it's really bad for it to be paid for. Sometimes, you know, medical stuff can be similar. Um, Anyway, but yes, that idea is, Brian is exactly right, is, hey, someone presented in somebody's office like this at one point, and we started to figure out like, oh, what is this? Trying to understand it and then how to treat it. So it does just help you know, and sometimes people really just like a name, mm-hmm. like tell mm-hmm. me I have this thing, yeah. and then it explains some stuff, and you can feel like you have more knowledge, and then you have more power, and that you know that's that's the good reasons that we do it. Um, the hard thing is, you know, certain things get stigmatized because they're harder for us to deal with, right? Yeah, yeah. So someone who is anxiously attached and we, we have words, they're clingy, they're highly sensitive to criticism, they need approval. Like, we don't like that, right? Yeah. We don't like that because it's asking a lot of us or it triggers, maybe, it triggers me because I don't ever get to ask for what I need. So why is this person asking constantly? So when we're triggered, and we should do a whole episode just about how to manage triggers. Oh, we should do a trigger episode because it's yeah, so yeah. over. Yeah. That term gets used in so many dumb, flippant ways. I would love to like <laughs> barrel down right. on that. And, That'd be great. And yet it is the perfect description of what is happening internally is a flip gets switched and you don't actually know where it comes from or why you don't, you just get respond reactive to the flip being switched. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that would be a fun one. But but so they these folks can be really triggering for us for a variety of reasons that we usually just avoid them because of that. And here we are in our vicious cycle, right? Of yeah. avoiding someone who needs connection. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, so let me just do a quick thing of like the signs if you have um, a anxious attachment style is clingy tendencies, Sensitive to criticism, needs approval, jealous tendencies, difficulty being alone, low self-esteem, feeling unworthy of love, intense fear of rejection, significant fear of abandonment, and difficulty trusting others. So you can see some of the crossover, right? Right. Because um, in the end, you're you're being taught from a young age if you're lovable, safe, and in at risk of being rejected. Yeah. And self-esteem grows from some of that core stuff. And so when that has been messed with in some form, for some reason, sometimes it's just because of the parents going through a particular thing at a particular time, a kid's personality and combo, it could be, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but it has a long lasting effect. So the idea is um, you can have somebody help you with this. There are therapists who specialize in attachment theory. That's one of their core competencies and they will, you know, really help, work with you to heal that childhood trauma or neglect or abuse or whatever it might be. And so I should, I should be clear. A lot of this can develop without there being quote unquote abuse. Right. Sure, sure. But when, so I, I'm going to say one last thing. The, the disorganized attachment style is usually because of actual abuse, mm. trauma mm. And, and neglect. And that's just, it's confused and it's going to have all the things in it. And it's really difficult. Um, to trust 
and often there's going to be other disorders going on with that. Right. Um, okay. So anyway, yeah. So if you, if this is resonating with anyone, there are people that specialize in this. There's great books. There's tons of resources. You know, if you're like Scott and this is the first time you're hearing these words, <laughs> there's there's a pl- plethora of things you can look into that might just help you understand yourself a little bit and and your relationship. If you've always thought, you know, he isolates and avoids and I have to chase him down and bang on the door. You know, there's a yeah. little bit of a version here. And people can have some mixed bags here to maybe feel secure in some ways and not. But there is help to improve your relationships and to feel just more secure in your own body and your own nervous system too. Is that why it's called attachment theory and not attachment law? Because it's just a lot of, there's a lot of wiggle room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, that's well, how and I mean, you take adoption or you take, um, you know, kids, the, the system usually really tries to keep families together for this very challenging reason, right? Even yeah. even though, you know, obviously attachment disorders can occur being with that the dysfunction. It's just, it it's caused a rift, rifts in kids as they develop and there's there's absolute consequences. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it matters. And, and a lot of people may just be like, I don't know why I'm this way. And so maybe hearing this, need, thinking they can, Get yeah. some resources. It might be helpful. I hope so. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. Uh, let us know. And I think we should dig da- down into the old trigger business next week. Yeah. Let's make that a so goal. Ha- okay. This is what I would love. I would love if we could get a cannery of weapons, you know, my mm-hmm. favorite term. Uh, a group of like different triggers that like people, I don't know, is there a place for them to put this? They could yeah, just we could do it start- in Discord or so we can find, we'll make a thread mm-hmm. in there or something. Yeah, a little yeah. thread what where you're you just triggered like, by? what triggers yeah. you? And and let's be clear what we mean by trigger. Um, so it is a physiological response internally. So your test, your, your chest gets ch- tight, your stomach drops or gets a little sick or anxiously like you know your shoulders clench your your head suddenly pounds like you are having a bodily response to something i i'd love a list of that like that's how you know you're being triggered so you want Um, the responses not the things that trigger you but the things i I want them to gauge it based on that criteria and then they can list what it is that triggers them sometimes you have to go the other direction you're like ooh, you know what always makes me mad when um this person says i'm sorry okay yeah. And you're like, why does it bug me so bad when Mary says sorry? Other people can say sorry and it doesn't bug me. Mm-hmm. So you have a like irritated like, Ugh, and you might feel it in your chest or your gut. Some people are really out of tune with their how their body responds. So they may have no idea what I'm saying here. That's okay. So just notice the thing that either makes you suddenly very angry or you're just irritated. But the key here is you don't really know why. Mm-hmm. You might think you sort of do, but you're just like, why can't I just stop reacting when Mary says I'm sorry? Yeah. And so that kind of thing. If we could just get like a nice list, I don't want to, I mean, it can be like, oh, when someone brings up politics, that's fine, but I don't care what the actual thing is so much as, you know, w- give us a thing and then it'd be interesting if people had just a, like, do you know why? Yes or no? <laughs> well, so so for people who want to go check it out, up on the I just did it on the Morning Stream TMS Chatter group. I created a thread, uh, which is a, it's almost like a separate uh, place to type, so it doesn't get lost in the okay. in the mush. Mm-hmm. And I basically asked, you know, what not only what triggers you, but how do you how does your body body and your mind feel 
uh, and I referenced the segment. So a lot of people have yeah. heard this yet that are seeing this and like, wait a minute, what? But when you hear this, and you'll know when you hear it, go over to that thread and add your thoughts. We'd love to hear yeah. what you think. Yeah, because it'd be nice to see the range, and then we also might find that there's a lot of just common threads we all experience. Um, and then the, the most fascinating question to me is the why. Yeah. Like why does, so I'll give you why Mary, who's not a real person, but why when Mary says sorry yeah. and someone else says sorry, why that would trigger somebody is that Mary is centering herself in your experience. Yeah. And someone else is like saying, oh, I'm sorry that I blank blank when you're just like, what? <laughs> no, but you're not thinking about it you, because suddenly social norms re- require you to go, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. But, but something in you is like, this is off. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is not okay. Yeah. And someone else says sorry, and you feel like they have centered your pain instead of their own need to be a good person or something, and you feel very differently. It's, and, and this is, if we boil it down, it's like your gut reactions or some things going on there. So, right. yeah, give us a nice list, and then uh, we could talk about how it works and tackle it. And maybe Scott and Brian, you, we, one of you is our willing victim. Yeah, yeah, I'd be a victim. I don't mind. Never Nothing mind. ever triggers me. No, <laughs> trigger free. Brian is a trigger free zone. Trigger. Never try. Yeah. Brian is like a gun that can't fire. There's no trigger. <laughs> this is zero. Right, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Loaded, but nothing to fire. Yeah. Okay. And I love uh, it. as of several years ago, no bullets. Either. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. Not effective Excellent. bullets anyway. Right. Let's keep it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Um, well, so, all right. Good. Yeah. No, this would be good. I look forward to it. Uh, so that is in there. We already got Claire yapping about it. So we'll find out what she has to say. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> what doesn't trigger Claire? Well, she's a, she's Irish. She's fiery. You know, we can't control that. pronunciation of Irish names. That triggers me it every triggers time. Me every time. I can't stand how you think we're all have potatoes over here. It's triggering. Plus that, that lucky charm voice you use every time you, you talk about <laughs> things I say. Yep. So she's got a lot to be triggered about. We'll find oh, out more Claire. next week. Uh, and Claire, I'm here for you. Yeah, it's she's fun. here for you. And she's here to meet you in uh, Vegas in a couple of months. So oh, that'll good. be fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. Block, oh, out, okay. block out some time, Wendy. Yeah. Claire, real quick. When yeah. I respond with a terrible Irish accent, know that I have a problem I can't control. Yeah. It's my look. <laughs> it won't sound Irish, but that's yeah. what I my brain will be trying to do. So yeah, I yeah. apologize in advance. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. She, uh, she's terrible. A, it's all good. Uh, all right. Well, we'll do this again next week, Wendy. It's always good having okay. you. Uh, realsteps.org everybody if you want to follow along with some of the cool stuff Wendy's doing yes and, uh, we uh, next round starts March 6th Monday it's oh that's just up. around the corner yeah it is it's gonna be great so sign up ASAP get in there uh, it's okay. Wendy Dunford Wendy have a good one we'll see you soon you do bye okay bye now oh she's wow jeez she really doesn't just crazy. hang up she puts the phone in a uh, <laughs> in a uh, food processor yep. it sounds like you know uh, you think I hang up fast Wendy. Yeah. She's yeah. got Irish, it going on. Irish exit with her. That's <laughs> an Irish exit. Oh, by the way, Carter taught me what a horror's bath is yesterday. Oh, yeah. Armpits. Uh, I'd never they, heard this term, and my daughter tells me for the first time what a horror's bath because we because we were kind of bathing Rainer for her bandage change. Yeah. And just, you know, rubbing her down. We got a little bit of this spray stuff that's antiseptic and that. And she's got these wipes. She's doing her arms and stuff. And she goes, yeah, it's like a little, um, it's a little horse bath. I'm like, what are you yeah. even saying? I've never even heard of that. George Carlin had a whole big thing about it. He didn't call it a horse bath or, or sex worker's bath is the appropriate term now. But it's uh, uh, armpits, teeth, asshole, and the 
something canal or something like that. Like oh, it's, geez. Uh, All right. He yeah, had a whole thing. Like, uh, have to seek that out. You don't need to take a shower. You just got to clean the teeth, armpits, asshole, and da-da-da. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. All right. Well, that sounds... Yeah. It's the cloudy cocktail. I'm sorry, TRPW. That's the, the worst thing. The cloudy cocktail. That's the worst thing I ever heard in my life. The worst thing I've ever heard. Oh, man. Old souls, pits, and tits. I don't like it. Uh, well, anyway, uh, on that note, let's get out of there, here. That's the TV's Travis. That's exactly it. Armpits, asshole, crotch, and teeth. That was exactly it. Oh, yes. that was the thing? All right. That was it. Nicely yeah. done. Uh, check this out, y'all. I got another t- uh, voicemail. You know, we asked for more voicemails, so this guy I sent it. I the, do love it when we get them, yeah. He sent this. Hey, Scott. This is Gia from Brooklyn. I heard that you would like to hear voicemails. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not sending any voicemails. I prefer text. So sorry about that. Goodbye. All right. So that's, that's his deal. <laughs> that's, that's all you get. That's, that's like all I basically, get. Yep. Okay. Well. well, that's unfortunate. Uh, but I, but you know, you made a good point. <laughs> Whatever. Send texts or voicemails. I don't care either way. 801-471-0462. Send us your emails. TheMorningStream at gmail.com. We have got a few things coming up today we should mention. Coverville today at 1, Brian. What's going yeah. on? Yeah, uh, Rihanna, fresh off of her uh, Super Bowl performance, she turned 35 this week. So it's time to finally uh, get that umbrella and uh, uh, don't, don't stop the music and uh, uh, stay. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, all those. All so anyway, those, a sure. bunch of covers of uh, Rihanna songs covered by folks that like, you know, usually don't hear covering stuff like this so you know you expect your your um your uh postmodern jukebox and your pomplamoose and stuff like that but no we're gonna have the baseballs churches uh mcfly and Lindsay sterling covering oh, oh and, and Ellie golding covering uh rihanna today so Ooh, yeah uh, that's utah's, a 1 PM mountain time. utah's own Lindsay sterling sorry utah that's right mentioned. with her and her her violin yeah. uh so that'll be at 1 p.m mountain time twitch.tv slash coverville and of course i will be playing some marvel snap during the whole shenanigans so nice through the, the yeah. entire ordeal the uh, by the way, ordeal. so I learned something yesterday about how Rihanna says her own name. Check this out. Yeah. Uh, let me play it. I have it right here somewhere. Hold on. Where's the volume on this thing? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh, YouTube. What have you done? Hold on. Oh, I know why. <laughs> I know why. Uh, you know what? That's dumb, YouTube. If if you have it set so that other videos are low in volume, music or whatever. Mm-hmm. All you, right, guys. There what? you go. And you forget to put it back. To yeah. full, the shorts will be low and you can't adjust them. What uh, is the point of that? All right, here we go. And is it now? I heard, is it Rihanna or Rihanna? Rihanna. I say Rihanna, but Rihanna is still okay. I don't know why. So people say Rihanna. Rihanna. But it's Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah. It's like pasta. <laughs> pasta or uh, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> right. I like Rihanna. It, it just so, feels so wrong calling her Rihanna. It sounds wrong, like, but she seems you know, to be the, cool. Uh, the Fleetwood Mac song is Rihanna, not Rihanna. That's so true. Yeah, that's the way to think about it. I guess. Who <laughs> said the Reanimator in the chat? Who is that? The Reanimator. Bio cow. Bio cow. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right. So yes, Coverville at one. Don't forget. Also, there'll be a new skim today. We'll probably talk about leaky roofs. So that'll be fun. And uh, brand new core tonight at five p.m. So uh, check cool. that out. Uh, guess the connection tomorrow. Uh, as you mentioned, and uh, not couch party. We're yeah. doing play date, right? I oh, think. play date tomorrow. Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. End of month. Right. This month came fast. 
Well, it's short. Cut it did, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, tomorrow playing some more stuff from Jackbox and uh, and stuff like that. Normal time three, or do you want to? Do we do any different, or what do you want to do there? Um, so, well, go if we do, I need to know early because I need to change the time to guess the connection. Because I usually do guess the connection now earlier. Actually, would not be a bad idea because there is a mammoth game tomorrow night. Uh, hence, I don't know. Hence, why I'm wearing my mammoth shirt today. Yeah, I have another. Represent. I have a whole stupid closet full of mammoth shirts, but. Um, so would not hurt actually for us to do because we started at earlier. two because we're always two hours on the games whereas we're maybe an hour on couch party so maybe yeah let's start at two and then we're done at four and then I can uh, go out with a crazy neighbor because he you know he wants to drink like a fish before we go see the mammoth yeah I, I feel you and then I have to somehow be coherent enough to talk about stupid Liam Neeson movies Saturday morning on Film Sack yeah oh yeah what's this one called. Non-stop. Non-stop. It's another airplane movie. I've got a movie. particular set of peanuts. <laughs> film, act, film sack is a particular set of uh, movies set on airplanes in a row. It really so. is. This this month is uh, all movies all the time. Yep. So that'll be uh, this uh, this weekend for that film sack. So yeah, tomorrow, 2 p.m., frogpants.tv yeah. if you want to cool. be a part of the play date okay we're going to play the rest of the, the jackbox will be stuff. an hour earlier than that so 1 p.m for guess the connection and uh you can win i'll be adding a prize to this but this is the carryover prize from last time uh oh mondoids it is the venom mondoid right there what's a mondoid i don't know what that it's is it's a little plastic toy that you the head is separate from the body but it looks like our if our crumb drew uh oh. venom okay this is what it looks like didn't know I even and, needed uh, that in my life. That's awesome. And you awesome. can exchange it. Like there's Thanos and Green Goblin, and you can basically change the heads and the bodies and stuff like that. But the head is like a, like an actual like ball. Right. It's round. Right. It's round. And then a copy of the same six Mary uh, CD, Second Coming. I just have a couple of these. So it's a good album. And, and they just have a couple of them. This is really good. This is the one that has their music or their their song that they made a music video for, which is Do No Good, which yeah, is love that. Uh, my favorite. I think my favorite. Uh, they perf- six Mary they perform it very. This one? Yeah, Get High is on this one as well. That's you, also good. If you've seen them in concert, you've seen them do You Get Real High. Yeah. And then he's then then he says, "I gotta go to work and uh, help the, the oh yeah, council. I gotta go listen to people talk about uh, neighbors. You know, neighbors <laughs> infringing on their territory. You know, it's all good. <laughs> you guys, I'm a, you have no idea. Come to Vegas <laughs> so you can see what I mean. It's uncanny. <laughs> Forget about AI voices. You just do him. That's all you need. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly." He could, he'd read a book better than Stephen King. All right, moving on. Yeah. Hey, check this out. Uh, the, the, yeah. the way we pay for the show and keep the lights on is simple. Patreon.com slash TMS. If you go there right now, you'll never get commercials. you get some of that weekend stuff we talked about. You'll get pre-show uh, and a little post-show every single day. And uh, these couch parties and other things aren't going to host themselves. All right? No. So uh, if you want to be a part of that and get other great monthly benefits while you're at it for the low, low price of starting at a buck a month is all, because we're dumb... You can do it at patreon.com slash TMS. Let's get out of here. We need to leave, but we need music to do it. So what'd you bring? Winmakus <laughs> says, my same sex, my, my James impersonation sounds higher pitch, but close to my Trump. Oh, so far. Like no. those two are so far from each other. Not even close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sleepy Joe. <laughs> uh, didn't decided not to come out to Palestine. Oh, he's, where is he? He's hanging out with uh, Zelensky. <laughs> I mean, I. It's maybe in the same I see, zone. I see where I do, I do see a little bit. Now that I did that as as I was doing, I kind of hear it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, anyway. Maybe a little bit. 
Play us some way, music, Brian. By the way, speaking of triggering, how many people did I just trigger? Oh, <laughs> tons of them. No, now they'll have a reason. Yeah. They'll have a reason to go to the thread and add to it and say yes, what triggered them. Exactly. Yeah. Say Brian triggers me every time he does that damn Trump impersonation. Mm-hmm. You did it. Whatever. <laughs> Tally says hey, how about me. <laughs> yeah. There Sorry, you go. Good. Yeah, a lot of people now. Me. 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 All of us. Everybody. <laughs> exactly. All right. Eric B wrote in and said, "Hello, Silver and Breed." Very clever. On February 20th, I hit the old dirty 30, but more importantly, it was also what would have been Kurt Cobain's 55th. (laughs) Could you imagine a 55-year-old Kurt Cobain? Oh, man. So weird. Crazy. Uh, So let's celebrate with a Nirvana cover. Insert Brian Vamp about song. Uh, Okay. Thanks. You you need to put that in there. Scott, three random sound clips would be swell. Three? Okay, I can do that. Uh, Let's just be random here and go with, hold on. Let's see. Extra TMS. Okay, here we go. How about... Troublemaker. I like that one. How about this one? That's what she said. And finally... It ain't got no gas in it. There you go. There's my three. Perfect. Look at that. Nice uh, nice combo right yeah. there. You can almost put those in, in a different order into a, <laughs> yeah, full sentence. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to this one. Uh, it is Glass Animals. They, uh, during lockdown, Glass Animals recorded um, what they called the Quarantine Cover Series. And this was the first one that they did. So can it's appropriately called Quarantine Covers Episode 1. This is their cover of Nirvana's Heart-Shaped Box. Here is Glass Animals. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, like we said, all that stuff. And then Monday, oh, there's a chance I have a dental appointment Monday, but I'm trying to figure out whether it's happening. So if I have one... I'll let you guys know ahead of time so you know if the show's happening or not. But if it happens in the morning, I may not be here. They get, I'm having a hard time getting this stupid crown scheduled, so it was the best time totally I could get. Fine. But I'll let you, you guys know. I'll let you guys know what happens. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you then. She asked me like a Pisces when I am I've been locked inside your heart-shaped box for weeks I've been drawn into your magnet trap I wish I could eat your cancer when you turn black
This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Hello, Cursed Earth Pizza. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.